Oh, Mr. Newman, I've been expecting you. The name's Newman, Phil Newman. I've waited my whole life to say that. Tragic, isn't it? <laughs> have some sort of vague justification for doing so. <laughs> In the form of a, a fledgling film podcast, which is what we are, of course, Film Files. We're back. It's take 10. This, of course, should have been take seven, shouldn't it, really? 007. But um, yeah. in case you haven't guessed what this is, it's Bond. <laughs> yeah. Phil's favourite subject ever, I think, when it comes to film, looking by the yeah. childish grin on his face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we're using we, the excuse of there being a new Bond film out, aren't they? So, so that to kind of tie in with it. Yeah, well, it seemed the appropriate timing, to be honest. I think um, needed some kind of trigger point for it. We couldn't just go into it willy nilly. But um, yeah, we have. <laughs> that film. sounds like a Bond line, if ever I've heard it. <laughs> yes, this is the world of innuendos, double padded doors, uh, flirting, questionable misogyny on certain occasions, and yeah. various other things besides. And innuendos galore. It really is, isn't it, Phil? Yeah. And <laughs> certainly. <laughs> and you're here, I'm sure, initially to tell us a little bit more about the background because you are something of an expert. So I'm going to put my feet up for a few minutes and listen to you. It's not going to be a few minutes. It, I think <laughs> I've got so much to say about it. I mean, it's not like a genre that we've done before. This one, everybody knows what we're talking about. So I'm going to keep it to a, a, a rough few sentences. And then should we, should we we'll, turn we'll it into a 27? part franchise or something like that for example including the dodgy bits (laughs) yes right go ahead so well on the subject of franchises it's the fourth highest grossing film franchise in history marvel at one star wars at two harry potter and the fantastic beasts at three and then james bond just above spider-man and fast and the furious and x-men and batman and jurassic park and everything else yeah so James Bond, the fictional character created by Ian Fleming, um, way back in 1953, and his first novel come back, came out a few year, a couple of years after that, um, Casino Royale. He was based on a number of individuals that uh, Fleming met during his World War II work in naval intelligence. And as everybody knows, he's a British secret agent. It's not very secret. He tells every single person who he meets what his name is. But <laughs> he works for MI6 and his code name is 007. And yeah. the background to the films, very, very basically, we'll, we'll go into this a lot as, as we work through. Um, in 1961, that uh, producers Albert R. Cubby Broccoli, or Cubby as we'll probably be calling him a lot during this, yeah. and Harry Saltzman, they purchased the filming rights to Fleming's novels and founded Eon Productions. And with uh, the financial backing of United Artists, they produced Dr. No, the first film in 1962. And that's pretty much it. The, I mean, the first Bond film I saw at the cinema was For Your Eyes Only back in 1981. I was about five or something. What was yours? Yeah. I've seen every single one since, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine is The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. I am at this point, oh, I don't know when in the year it was released, actually, but I would have been six years old. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure because I'm August 71. So I'm going to say I was six. Yeah. And that's assuming I watched it on a first run because it seems quite young to be going to Bond. I don't know. That is I was about the same age. Really, when I, I remember yeah. that I was supposed to be going to the cinema to see Condor Man, <laughs> which was <laughs> um, the guy from Some Mothers Do Have Them being a secret agent. Oh, uh, agent. Michael Crawford. And yeah. Oh, and, oh really? Uh, a secret agent film? <laughs> yeah. A film I completely forgot about, and then I we ended up going to see James Bond instead, and I basically fell in love, and yeah. that was it. It's I, been a love a, affair ever since. 
I had a similar thing where I, was, I, I could choose films at the Worthing Odeon um, down in Ben Talks for anyone that knows Worthing. It's not there anymore, the cinema. It's not there. But I it's had like a choice TV, once. You know? Indeed, yeah. And it's, um, I had a choice of, um, I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark or, Ark or Clash of the Titans. I think I went for Titans at the time. Um, I saw them both, of course, and loved them in yeah. the end. But that choice early on in your childhood, and I think it must, it must have been one of the first films in general that I saw at the cinema, The Spy You Love Me. Um, as I said, I think it was first run. And um loved it loved the franchise ever since i've seen yeah. a number of them at the cinema and um so roger moore as with you is, is my era and uh, a number of the correspondents who we'll hear from we've had I a big response you, on this you so can we'll, tell who people's favorite bond films by their age quite often it's you know it's, yeah yeah you have you the the age i mean i was um i really like the john glenn films so they hmm started with uh, Few Eyes Only in 1981 and went through to License to Kill in 1989. Um, so I was aged 6 to 14 then, and that was, that, that was me just set, you know. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, so yeah, Smile You Love Me, I think was the first one. And um, I've just seen the recent one, of course, as well, No Time to Die, which has come out. And in between times, caught up with a load of them. I can't really remember how many times I've seen any of the films. I normally keep a very yeah. geekily um kind of detailed list of everything i've seen but that doesn't date back that far of course no, when no, I was a kid. No, same so here. i don't know but I, i've seen them timeless amount of time i a lot of it on tv the modern era of course it's had itv as the um as the rights holders for quite some time can't stand watching films and adverts i have to say but i must I remember, have done that most a of my of times. you know most of the james bond films i watched them over and over and over again as a kid and you record yeah. them off the tv and as soon as the adverts yeah. started you jump yeah, off this pause and exactly. then you press it again before it started back again. And you'd be yeah. watching it again and there'd be the bit flashing up, you know, the titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have embedded in your memory this extra little Where the commercial breaks are. Yeah. You've effectively edited in a, <laughs> a whole new bit. Yeah. That's right. And I've seen, I've seen them countless times and it always seems to be bank holidays. Um, they're on. I guess they must have been on a lot of Christmas. I can't really remember when I've seen them, but they, they're always on at weekends, bank holidays. Um, school holidays, all sorts of stuff like that, weren't they? And um, yeah, I mean, fantastic stuff. Can't wait to get into talking about the details, Phil. Um, yeah. I've just got visions you... of your last weekend being like that Alan Partridge, where he's just got. <laughs> he, he, have you ever seen that what, that one where he talks about the, <laughs> the order of watching them all, yeah. <laughs> and even fits in trips to the toilet and meals around? around yeah, them all. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have been watching copious amounts of Bonds, um, a lot of detail, mainly the stuff, the older, the older stuff in terms of um, more recent viewings. I've tried to catch up with every, I've gone through all the Connery stuff just to, <laughs> because that was the earlier stages. I wanted to get the yeah. picture of how, a reminder of how things started to unfold in the chronological sense, how they established certain elements at certain points uh, to refresh my memory. And then anything in general that I hadn't seen for a long time. The interesting one was on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which I, I rewatched just today. And um, two points of interest. One, actually, you mentioned John Glenn. He's got a production credit, non-directing. Um, yeah, yeah, on he's that the film. editor. Yeah. Is, that's right. He was, yeah, which is interesting. Um, well, actually, three did, things. I was going to say, he, was, that. he edited also... a lot of the films until 
he took yeah. over as director. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Um, which, of course, is Roger Moore era. Um, and then also, I mean, it mentions the motto we were just saying off air, the world is not enough, which is the family motto, yeah. um, which uh, comes up in On Her Majesty's Secret Service while he's investigating his heraldry as part of the plot line. Yes. And um, the, the Latin version of his motto is written and referenced there. I thought, oh, yes, I've forgotten about that. And um the, the other bit that was interesting was that I realised, I don't know if I've seen it more than once, that film, bizarrely. I've no idea why. It must have just been I've always caught it on TV and I've somehow never caught that yeah. one. Yeah, I might have seen it twice before, I'm not sure, but it didn't feel very familiar compared with others. But uh, that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, should we get into our fives then, or is there any further ado? Of course, got one little start and then let's go in. So, Oh, let's go for it. Yeah, go ahead. It's been estimated that since Dr. No, back in 1962, a quarter of the world's entire population has seen at least one bomb film. Why is it such a small amount? I mean, the quarter is like <laughs> 25%. Why hasn't everybody seen every single film? It's just ridiculous. I wonder in a sense as well if it, this has got the, the whole thing of um, portrayals of Brits, you know, that um, yeah. long distance remote kind of perception that's gained from watching a film or reading about something or seeing someone on a football match. You know, the, the David Beckhams, the James Bonds, the, the Queen of England's, those kind of sort of particularly yeah. pronounced figures. Um, and I, I wonder how much conceptions, misperceptions maybe of British come from watching James Bond films. They're yeah, all just James, almost too cool so. to school, always well-dressed, always handsome, always able to to pull whoever you want, so to speak, um, as seems to yeah. be the case. <laughs> I'm not quite sure that people would think that. There might be some misconceptions uh, from some of that. Who knows? Yeah. But that's an um, interesting stat there, Phil, and that's good to warm us up. As is this, well, not to warm me up, actually, to cool me down and quench my thirst. I'm on a bit of Perpetuous Hazy Session IPA to start off with. Tonight, what are you on, Phil? I need to know before I go. Yeah, it's nice. I bought a, at the moment they're selling a 12-pack in Majestic Wines um, of Brewdog, 12 different Brewdog beers for 15 oh, yeah. quid. Hmm. So I'm on the Brewdog Lost in Mango uh, mango beer. And it, yeah, <laughs> it's good. Lost in Mango sounds like a film. <laughs> Future Bond film, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um because of course that is the one of the one of the things with Bond is of course the exotic settings and the exotic women as well actually for that matter. I'm sure we'll be deep, portrayed. Deep we, diving into. I'm sure we have. We, uh, deep diving sounds like another yeah. innuendo. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. I, I, they must have covered the entire globe with the um, the settings um, for these films, either the locations or the settings or both, as they might be different. Um, yeah, <laughs> it might be a, a question of guessing which countries haven't had Bond in them. Um, yeah. But anyway, we shall begin. Um, you'll probably be pleased with this based on something you told me off air beforehand about um, about well being a, a fan of the Roger Moore films a lot more than some other people, because I've gone for a Roger Moore at number five. Oh, and fantastic. it is film we've already mentioned to mentioned in, in this episode in passing, The Spy Who Loved Me. I've gone for that at number five. My first film, it's made it on the list. Nobody does it better than you. Are Sorry. you going to sing all of the Bond songs? I'm going to try hard episode. not to, but I'm drinking, so I make no promises. It could get worse le- later on, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. We have to warn you. Um yeah, I mean, this This is uh, partly, I have to say, I think, 
I am influenced here by the nostalgia of it. The the memories of watching that film at the cinema, one of my first experiences, maybe my first ever, as I said. Um, it's Roger Moore era. It's 1977, directed by Lewis Gilbert, who's a classic yeah. film director. He'd done a lot of stuff before that. We won't bore you with the details. Look him up. There's some good He did this one, and he then he did Moonraker a couple of years later, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah indeed. Um, yeah, starring Roger Moore, Barbara Back, Kurt Jurgens as the villain, Oh, and back of course, of this is gorgeous. Do you know what happened to her after this film? I don't know. She married don't Ringo Starr and never did anything ever again. Oh, dear, isn't really? that just tragic? I mean, I know Bond tragic. girls have a have a history of not really working a lot after they've yeah. been in Bond films, but she, I think, she basically married Ringo Starr and and still is married to him, as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know what? That's Grace Kelly syndrome, isn't it? There, right there. <laughs> um, giving up a career for marriage, or seemingly so. I don't know if she deliberately. Yeah, I think she's done a lot of career or just work since. Yeah, fair play, fair play to her. Yeah, and I'm um, also, of course, starring Richard Keel, uh, who yeah, is Jaws, Jaws, who is um, who again well, came I, back for the film after as well, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, indeed. Because most villains, let's be honest, we're plot spoiling here, but of course we are. If you haven't seen Bond films by now, for goodness' sake. Um, but he usually villains die. Uh, on, on that on that um, on that episode of the franchise, don't they? This this one, I think we've got to say that spoilers are out for this episode, aren't they? We, it's we're yeah. going we're going in on everything. Are but we, you know what's going to happen in these films? He's going to live, and everybody else is going to get killed. Are, are we going to are we going to refrain from spoilers on the latest Bond film? Because I'm sure we'll mention it in some degree, whether or not. Oh yeah, we're trying to stick away from that. Yeah, just in the interest of fairness. So yeah, if we mention it, we won't mention it. For three or four people that haven't got around to watching it yet. <laughs> However, if it pops up in our films of 2021, then we may plot spoil by then. So yeah. if you haven't seen it by then, it's your own fault. But we'll we'll refrain on this episode from that one. However, everything else is fair game. Fair, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so Richard Richard Keeler's Jaws, um, obviously, you know, he, he was, being my first Bond film, he was synonymous with Bond. He was the, it, it's, yeah, it's Roger Moore as Bond, it's Richard Keeler's Jaws. Um, you've got your Bond girls, you've got a great soundtrack. Love the Carly Simon song. Had that as a record on seven inch vinyl uh, back in the day, just because of the film. Um, I think at some point probably it starts with that stunt at the beginning where he, the ski jump, doesn't yeah. it? Where he goes yeah, straight Yeah, one of the off. famous opening and, scenes. And yeah, yeah, you just watch him just plummeting, you know. For ages. Incredible. And it's a fairly tight shot. Well, it's a long shot, but it's not too long that you can't. Yeah, you can't but get it's the almost, they've got the light on happening. it perfect as well. It, it, it's, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And out comes a Union Jack. Uh, parachute of course <laughs> at the same time the music hits yeah yeah exactly quality quality filmmaking it was great fun <laughs> it's got it's got you've got the um the, the villain's lair as well it's brilliant of course you've got this 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 kind of pod i think is it ken adam that designed pretty much all of these signs but that one's a great one yeah. isn't it and yeah. it's got it's got the lotus i mean yeah come on yeah, exactly. who didn't have a little exactly. toy one of those when they were younger i, I had two of the smaller ones and one yeah, of the yeah. slightly bigger ones which was the yeah. normal dinky size uh one yeah and the other two were matchboxes yeah still got them somewhere in my parents attic. yeah love that love the lotus one of the classic gadgets um i suppose what we call it a gadget I mean, um, it just comes out of the beach uh, on the beach would you more just yeah. drops a fish and just sort of yes. drives off <laughs> Utterly, utterly ridiculous. What's interesting about these films, um, looking back at them all, they seem, I'm not saying this disparagingly, but they all seem smaller 
watching them now, admittedly on the small screen as well, than, than they did in the first time I saw them. Because I think so many iconic images, they get built up in your head yeah. to something so grand. And when you watch it again, you go, oh, it's not actually like the Lotus card it's, not on the it, screen. Yeah, but it's, you could say the same about books that you reread years later or mm. music that you re-listen to, and it's never quite the same as the way that you kind of experienced it the first time round mm. when you were in short you're, trousers. you're opening up your imagination the first yeah. time then, yeah. But with this, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's a classic film. I think amongst Roger Moore films, for me, I think this is certainly one of the most entertaining. Um, is it his best? Well, we'll have to wait and find out on that one, I guess. Um, don't want to spoil anything yet. Um, critics' consensus from um, Rotten Tomatoes said, though it hints at the absurdity uh, of some later instalments, the spy who loved me's sleek sleek style menacing villains and sly wit make it the best of the Roger Moore era. So they think so. The synopsis is that a globe-trotting assignment, <laughs> surprise, surprise, that has him um, skiing off the edges of cliffs and driving um, a car deep underwater. British, my phone's now buffering. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, oh, I've lost the thing I was going to read. Never mind. Anyway, you get, you get the he idea. Goes all over place. He goes to Egypt. You know, yeah. he goes, he, there's, a sort of, there's a sea base at the end, isn't there? And, yeah. yeah. And you've got your villain who is Draco, isn't it? Who's um, yeah. played by, as I said, Kurt Jurgens, who's essentially a marine biologist. Um, I think they say the richest man in the world. And he essentially, there's no mention of Spectre in this film either. This is about no. him just being uh, an individual. You don't really get that from, in Roger Moore films at all, though, do you? You don't, know. He's a philanthropist of crime, you could say. He's a man who's acting on his own. He's um, incredibly wealthy. Of course, he's having at the benefit of loads of Ken Adams designs, yeah. uh, as well as usual, with all the underwater stuff. It's all about underwater. I can't believe I mean, if I was Jeff Bezos, I'd go build myself one of those bases to live in the water, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah, brilliant. It's great. Yeah. Sliding streams. Sp- wasting seeing. your money on spaceships, Jeff. Go and build yourself a spy who loved me underwater lair. You'd have much more fun. Think of the parties you could have, you know. That would be sensational, yeah. It's a subterranean lair. He's surrounded by sharks and other tropical species. He's um, he's he's very much his own man. Uh, not a very active Bond villain. Some are, some aren't. He's, he's very much a sit around and... Jaws does the heavy all this lifting, time. really, here, doesn't he? He, just... he does, indeed, yeah. You've got the, the other guy, what's his name? Shando or Shandos or something, who, who's the, one of those big, muscly, wrestly type villains he doesn't last very long actually um no. i think he doesn't actually give a good account of himself against bond does he compared with the likes of odd job and uh jaws um quite disappointingly he pops his clogs a bit early but jaws of course um endures and those teeth something else yeah. isn't it some of the iconic scenes are on trains well when probably mentioned from russia with love at some point here yeah. again you've got a classic fight scene on the train with jaws um yeah. loads of one-liners in there electrocutes um, his teeth yeah Exactly. Always creative with the injuries and killings. Um, that's part of it, isn't it? One of the documentaries, I think it's on uh, Goldfinger or one of the documentaries I saw, was saying how it was all about trying to create inventive ways to kill people. Quite often yeah. you could see, looking at the film, you think, well, you could just shoot him. You don't need to do this. That's this boring. That. Yeah. It's boring. <laughs> You've got to do something like electric odd job via a complex series of throwing his hat at him, missing, wedging between the bars. Yeah, and there's exactly. A the open-ended cable full of electricity you can cram into the bars and electrocute in much better way yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah i love i love this film it's got as you said it's got the lotus it's got jaws it's got some great scenes some good music 
and um, some Great good stunts, fight scenes as well. Great a few stunts. good one-liners. Yeah. You've got quite a good budget by this point, haven't you? I think, well, really, yeah. after the first two or three Connery films, the budget starts to up pretty significantly, and uh, certainly it did here. A couple of interesting bits. Bit of disco-infused soundtrack in incidental terms at one point, which it still was John <laughs> Barry, I think, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it had this kind of mildly disco-y. That was the world in on. 1977. Yeah, exactly. Also, in one of the sex scenes, or oh, if you can call them that, there was a bit of sleazy saxophone. I thought, oh god, that's that feels so cheesy now. You know, he starts to kiss a girl. And you've got this typical kind of sax. That was every film then, and for a few few (laughs) years after, wasn't it? Yeah. What I found with these films as well, this one included, they are flawed. There's elements of direction that's not quite tight, the editing, or some of the lines don't work, some of the perspectives don't quite look right, um, some of the feasibility isn't quite right. But it's all about fun, isn't it, James Bond films? um, Yeah, you you never stop smiling. Yeah. And the Roger Moore films, probably more than most, I think, because it plays it for laughs more and more, as they alluded to on that Rotten Tomatoes article there. They do play it for laughs more and more as the Roger Moore era goes on. Yeah. Incidentally, before I forget to mention it, Roger Moore, even the name alone is quite amusing, isn't it? It's so Bond. It's perfect. He had to be James Bond, quite frankly, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And can I also just mention when we went to your uh, to your wedding, your first marriage in that little church i think i mentioned to you at the time on the wall of the church there's a tiny little church in where was it gloucestershire wasn't it i think somewhere out that way somewhere yeah, like yeah. that Worcestershire. Yeah. yeah you've got those plaques with very old kind of former vicars from 200 years ago or whatever it was and there was a guy there called rogerus moore which is even funnier <laughs> than roger moore i couldn't believe my eyes i thought that's one of the best things i've ever seen <laughs> i had to get that in i had to mention that Anyway, I digress. Yes. I, mean, I haven't really got too much more to say about it, really. Um, it is what it's it is. It's fun. good fun. It's a rip-roaring yarn. I could have put in one or two other films ahead of this on quality terms, but I had to have this Sheer in here for popcorn entertainment the value. Popcorn. I think, exactly. we, I mean, we've got a, a, a few people have sent in their top fives, and I, I can see this one appearing on a lot of lists. It does. Some people who've sent um, messages haven't actually done a five. They've just done one or two and even then it pops up a couple of times so a well-loved film for a generation that certainly is mine and just about yours as well isn't it i think um slightly yeah. younger than me but so in the same general uh, category um and it's good it's great fun yeah what do you think of it phil do you quite like it yeah it's not bad <laughs> excellent good good well what have you got at number five then so for number five i have gone for golden eye Ah. Named after Ian Fleming's Jamaican holiday home, and it's kind of the first time I think they hadn't used a title from one of the books, although I'm not sure about Licence to Kill, but yes. So uh, I've got a lot to get through here, so I'll try and go through as quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So the story, uh, some years after a friend and fellow double agent is uh, killed on a joint mission, which you see at the beginning in the pre-credit sequence, which is the one in the, the, the pre-credit sequence in this one is probably one of my favorites. Um, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. A secret space-based weapons program known as GoldenEye is stolen. James Bond sets out to stop a Russian crime syndicate led by Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> um, from, uh, Rodney yeah. Coltrane. <laughs> Robbie, Ro- Robbie Coltrane. Robbie. Rodney Coltrane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, uh, he sets that to stop a Russian crime syndicate from uh, using the weapon. 
and so yeah it's um yeah it's great so there's quite a, a sort of a, there was a long gap the bit longest one in the series history between um license to kill in 1989 and this film came out six years later in 1995 yeah. now we're used to waiting quite a long time for, for bomb films a few years but that was they were literally every other summer for a couple of decades before that so going back to 1990 i've got a bit of the history because i find things like this fascinating and you you can also see the films that never quite were that you really yeah. wish had, had got made so back in 1990 pre-production started for the third timothy dalton film um so because he had he originally had a three film contract yeah this would be his third and a poster was even released and put out about places so this would have featured a terrorist attack on a british nuclear facility in scotland threatening to cause world war three and then bond traveling to east asia to investigate a corrupt businessman with a female jewel thief in tow you know mm. i want to see that <laughs> we never that got good, it um, then Maybe the it's Gulf, coming next. The, the Gulf War <laughs> happens. Yeah. And then development hell happens. The, so it was mainly to do with distribution rights. Um, what you had was uh, MGM, who were the parent company of United Artists or Distributors, um, and Cubby Broccoli had a lot of arguments about percentages in different countries and agreements. And it it went on for a couple of years and dragged on and dragged on and dragged on and all the time this is dragging on obviously the film isn't getting made by the time they organized this in i think 1993 this went on for a few years um they turned around to timothy dalton and offered him a four or five bond picture film deal and he was like i've had enough now no i'm not i'm not really really interested i'm not quite sure where bond sits in 1995 um, this is obviously an argument that comes up quite a lot, but this was the first time since the Berlin Wall that had come down that we were having a Bond film. There was a lot of people in the industry were, is he still relevant? Um, Judy mm. Dench as M even yes. has a line in the film of you're a misogynist dinosaur and a relic of the yeah, Cold War that was kind of kind of put in. Um, they did think about how how to kind of relaunch the franchise. And it's amazing. This This was like, 20 sets 20, 26 27 years ago and there was talk of should we have a female james bond should we have a black james bond should we set it in the 1960s all these things that keep coming up every few years in the end they did decide to kind of go with the tried and trusted although we had judy dench in as m the only returning actor we had was desmond llewellyn as q everything yeah. everybody else was was new with a new money penny and samantha bond everybody else so Pierce Brosnan, he previously come very, very close to taking on the role of Bond before Timothy Dalton, but he had prob- uh, problems with his kind of contract on the TV programme Remington Steel at the time. Remington <laughs> so, Steel, I remember that. Yeah, so <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, it's fascinating when you look at, I mean, we, obviously the conversations are going now on who should be the next Bond, and we'll talk about that later. But back then... um. Mel Gibson, Hugh Grant, and Liam Neeson all turned the role down. Interesting. <laughs> um, Mel Ralph Fiennes <laughs> and Paul McGann also screen tested it. And if if um, Pierce Brosnan hadn't taken it, we would have had Paul McGann as James Bond. Hmm. I mean, he's great with Nell and I, but yeah, 
no, I can't. I, I mean, yeah. Poor guy. He was the he was the nearly man on Doctor Who and James Bond. Yeah, yeah. He's got a few tales to tell at parties, hasn't he? On that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean mm. Bean was cast as Alec Trevelyan, um, mm. the nemesis. His role had actually been turned down by both of Anthony Hopkins and Alan Rickman. I mean, Sean Bean's brilliant, and I think both of those would have been brilliant as well. I think they were going to try to get Anthony Hopkins in as a kind of mentor kind of thing, but it didn't yeah. really happen in the end. 006, but, of course, is his character. Yeah, well, it, it is. It is yes. until he's Who no dies longer. at the beginning, but doesn't yeah. actually die. Yeah. Um, John Rhys-Davis was asked to reprise his role as General Pushkin, but he didn't want to come back, mm. so they got... They changed the name to Mishkin and got Checky Cario in to play the uh, Russian defence minister. I think he's pretty good in this. So the Bonds, uh, kind of the producers, they normally go with quite solid, um, if not spectacular, choices in director. They, they're they a bit like Marvel in that they don't want to kind of put some auteur in charge of the film that's going to do his vision. They have a, an idea. Yeah. So this film was actually off John Woo which I can't oh, believe. Wow. I'm not, I love John Woo. He's one of my favourite directors. I really don't know what a John Woo James Bond film would look like. I mean, obviously there'd be lots of slow motion Mexican standoff shootings and doves <laughs> flying around in the background. I don't think he would have been the right fit. I think Martin no. Campbell um, here, it does a, just like he does with, I mean, he launched, relaunched the franchise with this one. He also relaunched the franchise with uh, Casino Royale and Daniel Craig. I think he does an excellent job here. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, first first Bond film to use CGI. Most of it was in the kind of title sequence. A lot of people were upset about the title sequence in this because it being, again, the, the, the kind of first Bond film since the collapse of communism, they have all these socialist sim- symbols kind of being destroyed by women in bikinis. <laughs> I think quite a lot of people... <laughs> didn't really like that very much. I think that's quite funny myself. Yeah, too, um, yeah. Hmm. John Barry turned down the opportunity to score. Uh, Eric Serra did. I think the score on this is pretty terrible, to be perfectly honest. Mm. So other actors, apart from obviously Rodney Coltrane, um, <laughs> will be uh, that we haven't mentioned already. Um, Joe Don Baker, who'd been a villain in the, in a couple of films before, he come, came back uh, as the CIA liaison. Yeah, um, Wade, isn't it? Yeah, we had yeah. Famke Janssen uh, playing Xenia on a top. An absolute psycho. <laughs> yeah, I think she's great in this. She's actually one that's actually had a pretty good career. She's turned up in quite a lot of good films. Yeah. And, and Isabella Skorupko was, the, uh, was yeah. the other Bond girl. Can I just say at this point, and Famke Janssen, I think, is great in that she's got very distinctive. She, she's a wild, a wild cat, completely untamable by Bonds, which is an yeah. interesting change on the usual uh, thing, which may be represented by the fact that it's that that new era kind of revisionist yeah. in terms of the, uh, the sexism a bit. Um, but also the whole squeezing with the legs thing, which became yeah. a bit of an iconic kind of talking Zinia point. on a top. <laughs> yeah. That's a bomb, and, isn't it? As you, as you said, Skorotka, I think that's her name is, isn't it? The surname yeah. of the, um, the other one. She, I think she's one of my favourite Bond. Natalia Sinanova. absolutely yeah. lovely. Yeah. And she's Always quite, with quite toys. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, she's great in it, and of course you got Alan Cumming. Haven't you? Alan Cumming's fantastic. I mean, Alan Cumming's <laughs> fantastic in everything, but yeah, he's particularly good in this. He plays a an, an uber computer geek nerd type yeah. guy working for the Russians, uh, or is he? Uh, and then um, yeah, there's loads of um, jokey lines uh, played off about him and his his tacky kind of prepubescent kind of um, yeah 
sexualization and in, in, in terms of the uh the password to use is and all that yes. sort of stuff there's loads of running jokes involved isn't there with that one yeah but lots lots of good things I, I think it's quite slick as well i think brosnan most of the bonds look look bondy they look they look yeah. right i think they're, they're always a good fit Roger Moore probably, I'd say, arguably is the least Bond-looking yes. Bond for me. Well, but, Daniel Craig, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In terms of if you're talking about yeah. how he's described in the books, I'm presuming he's described as dark-haired, for example. To start with. Yeah, he's described as looking yeah. like Hoagie Carmichael. Oh, um, right, okay. When when yeah. when when they were originally doing Doctor No, <laughs> the first choice to play Bond is someone that we talk about a lot, but he only wanted to do one film. Cary Grant. Cary Grant. <laughs> he would have been like Roger Moore, though, wouldn't he? Really. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keeping the British end up. <laughs> well, I think yeah. Pierce Brosnan makes a very, very good Bond. I think he's great. Yeah, I mean, he looks the part. He looks athletic. He looks. He can, slick he can deal enough. the one-liners. He's not quite as good as Roger Moore, but yeah, he still does he's pretty got, well. He's got the charm. He's got the charm there. He looks the part, and he's part of this golden eyes. Obviously, this modern more slick 90s kind of snappy it's brought it's, it's updated isn't it it's uh, you said about yeah. the cgi but in general it feels slicker it looks really good the, the it's just the physical look of the film is really really good in this as well some great set pieces and it has it's I like quite the, a stylish yeah, film isn't it it does and it also it gives a little bit more time to the supporting characters normally a james bond film james bond is in every single frame whereas you do yeah. go off and see what's yeah. happening in Russia yeah. and what's happening in other places. If I've got one big criticism, when he boards that boat, is it called Mentafore or something? Yeah. He climbs on board the boat. He's, he's wearing a, a, this is classic 90s, he's wearing a really long formal jacket. It's, uh, it's like <laughs> what they call sports jackets with formal trousers. Um, ah, that, I can't stand those really long jackets. <laughs> it's halfway down his thigh. It looks ridiculous. Sorry, yeah. nitpicking. Had to, had to go That's all right. Well, it, it got mostly <laughs> positive reviews. A lot yeah. of people look on it with a lot of fondness. There was a very successful video game on the Nintendo 64 yes. that people yes. still go on about. So it, that it's gets something mentioned that, in correspondence as yeah, well. Yeah, mm. but I, I think yeah. it was a, an incredibly good relaunch. Yeah. Um, one, the, in terms of my nitpicking, and this is something that comes up a lot in Bond films, mm. product placement. There's no such... Oh, I mean, is this the, the one with Perrier? Well, they've got that massive. Yeah, they. I mean, this. They actually signed a three-picture deal with BMW, which was actually the most successful product placement in in history. Yeah. I think it still is because yeah. they sold so many BMWs off the back. Because of, of course, this, driving this was the new. No this Aston was the Martin. first incarnation yeah. of BMW in as a Bond yeah. car, wasn't it? Yeah. But all the computers in this film, they're all IBM. Yes. No matter what part of the world you're in, they're all IBM <laughs> and they're all brilliant. Amiga watch, which they they sell. Yeah. A lot of now. I mean, there's there's a lot of it going on. Um, this will come up. <laughs> is a, <laughs> a, a quite a lot. You I don't really so. realise how much of it there is and, and, until yeah. you start looking out for it. Yeah. Well, I remember. Been, I think this is the only bomb film that I've actually watched at, at a screening with your good self. Some years back, we went and watched oh, this. Yes. Not the only drive-in that I've ever been to in some yes, park in Murphy. Right. Yeah, after we I went and met you... Desmond Llewellyn, didn't we? We went and met him, and then we went to the thing afterwards. Yeah, I was go- I was going to come to that actually. Yes, um, to explain, um, Desmond Llewellyn did a Q and A event yeah. uh, on the pier, wasn't it, at the Pavilion yeah. in Worthing, um, where an Aston Martin was present. 
I yes. think, didn't they use, was it three they used in filming or something like that? I can't remember yeah. what they said. But one of the original Aston Martins was on display. We all got a chance to have a quick chat and get tickets signed or whatever else. That was brilliant. And then, indeed, we went to see Goldeneye at, um, I've forgotten the name of the park now. I think it's yeah. called Home Homefield Park or something oh, like that in Worthing. Yeah. And it was my first, and in fact, I think pretty, pretty much certain my only ever driving experience. Yeah, I think same for me too, yeah. Um, my missus came along as well. And it was that was great fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah I mean, th- there's some real classic um, Bond moments in this film we mentioned. The tank. The, 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 the <laughs> tank chase through St. Petersburg, which was actually filmed. So another person who has a long-running history um, with James Bond films, but is sort of slightly more unsung, I think this was the last film that was done by Remy Julian, who, the French stunt driver, who, if you ever look up what films he's worked on, it's hundreds. He does the he did the car chases. Well, I bet you can't guess what the first film that he did was. Nineteen sixties cars. Uh, bullet. Italian job. Ah, yes. That yeah, was his yeah. first one, and then he did all the bomb. You know, not all the bomb yeah. films, but anytime there's some stunt driving, it was always yeah. him. This was his last his last film, uh, sadly. Um, he did i think this was his sixth bomb film or something like that when you have that you had the bungee jump at the dam in i mean it was actually in switzerland but it's supposed to be russia where he just falls it's a bit like the spy who loved me with 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 the ski and this is an opening scene as well isn't it yeah fantastic you just see him falling 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 no sound and it just goes on forever yeah and then he fires something into the ground to get the rest of the way down or something doesn't he or something like that yeah you've got the casino scenes in monte carlo you've got the satellite yeah. big satellite dish in, that was filmed in Puerto Rico and then you've got yeah. the armoured train which was filmed in Peterborough apparently <laughs> <laughs> I told you you go all over the world all sorts yeah, of exactly. tropical locations <laughs> <Peterborough. Yeah. laughs> love it yeah it's, it's a cracking film I think it's probably Piers Brosnan's best I think um, I would say totally yeah, looking say at so. it in terms of um, quality wise I, I, I would, would say with it. Piers Brosnan each one was not as good as the one before it yeah, I mean, he only I did four, but yeah, it's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, and the world is not enough being one of those, isn't it? Um, Die Another Day was the last one, which was mm. the only Bond film I can't defend on any level. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty poor, isn't it? To be honest, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there's a few actually. Um, one one of them, our correspondent is my cousin John, who will hear um his opinions on later. But I think he said it would have been quite interesting to also do a um, worst bombs or worst bomb moments or something like that. Well, maybe um, we will one day. Maybe we will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got here, another John. spare few hours. <laughs> uh, we, I'll go on about how, how it's terrible, but I still love it for another two hours. <laughs> well, Phil, I don't know if it's the beer, but I think I need to have a quick um, I think quick I need break. to get another beer, yeah. Yes, so we're, so we're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back in just a moment, where we will now count down our top fours. Stay tuned. And we're back in the room. Oh, and I've just cracked open another beer. Isn't this lovely? <laughs> I'm on now. And Phil, it was it was really we had to have a break just to get to the get to the fridge. I'm on a raspberry pie. Um, I can't see what the brewery is. Um, I think I've, raspberry... I've had that at your birthday party. I was drinking that. I think it was quite a sweet, oh, bit, yeah. sweet little number. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's uh, yeah, that's right. The Gladstone Arms in Borough, great pub. 
for my fiftieth. Oh, yeah, fifty. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an updated um, review on that in a moment. Um, when yeah, we uh, when I, we come back to it, I'm on the uh, still on the brew dog. I'm on the jagged edge now. The spiky India pale ale, and yeah, predictably good. Oh, you should have saved that for if we did top five Glenn Close movies. <laughs> I don't think it would be in it. It's not that good. It wouldn't, would it? No. <laughs> Let's be honest. No. I have to have a bit of dangerous liaisons, though. Surely. Yeah. Um, just um, as predicted, I've um, spilt some beer. It's uh, there's a bit of a lively tin, uh, but uh, we're we're sorted. We're sorted. Right. We've done our our five. Down um, to four. We're on to our four now. Yeah. So it's time for a third different bond in a row. Um, it is time for Skyfall. Yeah. Ah. Yes, I've gone for Skyfall at number four, where, um, of course, as as IMDb would say, it, James Bond's loyalty to M is tested when her when her past comes back to haunt her. So this is an interesting new twist on yeah. things, the backstory of M. Anyway, when MI6 comes under attack, 007 must track down and destroy the threat, no matter how personal the cost. Um, so um, it, it's um, an interesting film, isn't it? Uh, this, let's say about um, M's backstory. Of course, you've got James Bond's backstory yeah. as well. They start talking about the orphaning thing and various yeah, other the showdown elements. in Scotland at the end. Yeah, um, we may or may not talk about Daniel Craig in more detail later. We'll see. But in general, Daniel Craig, apart from the difference of look to the traditional descriptions, he's he's your rugged, he's brilliant, kind of earthy, more more kind of realistic in some senses yeah. at least, kind of action hero, isn't he? And he plays the part really well, and I think this is one of certainly one of the two best Daniel Craig films. I would say, possibly arguably three. Depends. I need more time to think about the newest. I, I, film. I think I put I'm going to put that in as a third. disclaimer. Um, third, yeah. I, I I like Skyfall. I think it's great, but I don't mm. understand why it gets quite so much love as it does above quite. A I, lot of I films. think it's overrated it, in terms. It's of for some reason people seem to think excited. this is the best James Bond film ever, but. I can't quite see it myself. I love it. It's great. And mm. I love Javier Bardem. But you've not got it at number one, clearly. And Judy Dench <laughs> is fantastic in that film. But She's yeah. Great, yeah. There's an epic scale to it, isn't there? I think yeah. a bit more. There's, there's kind of an overriding. It's, I, I can't remember the runtime. I'll maybe see that here somewhere, but I'm pretty sure it's a long film as well. Um, seems yeah, to I be think a lot most of Craig's ones have been, with the exception of Quantum of Solace. Most of them have gone on a bit. It's a Sam Mendes film, isn't it? I've never really got on. I think we mentioned this before when we talked about the best films of 2020. I never really got on with Sam Mendes for some, yeah, for whatever yeah. reason. I've never quite clicked. There's a few directors that I just don't quite click with. I think Steven Soderbergh's yeah. another one. It's that yeah. don't, don't quite get it. <laughs> not, not for that. No, I mean, Soderbergh's a good director, but kind of not that's not his field really is it well i mean um there's a review here which I've, I've got off the internet which says james bond's mission is to keep a computer drive that has a list of british agents from being used against them he chases the man who has it and they have a brawl on top of a train miss eve Moneypenny, played this time by naomi harris who's very she's good brilliant she's really good yeah um is an agent sent to assist bond has them in her crosshairs but hesitates to take a shot because she That's might the beginning, hit Bond. Isn't it? Yeah. Famous scene, yeah, at the beginning. But M, played by Dame Judy Dench, orders her to take it, which she does, and hits Bond, who falls into the river and is believed to be dead. A few months later, the British government is upset with MI6 
um, for losing the list, um, specifically with M. She is told that she'll be allowed to retire, but she refuses to leave until the matter is resolved. So she returns to headquarters to work on it. But as she arrives, there's an explosion. Of course, the famous yeah. scene of MI6 being blown up, which is quite shocking. Um, in the meantime, Bond, who is not dead, has been laying low. When he learns of what's happened, he returns. And M tasks him with finding the one who has the information. He eventually learns that the man who has it, Tiago Rodriguez, um, a.k.a. Raul He basically Silva. plays the same same part that he did in No Country for Old Men, really, yeah, doesn't he? That's it's quite... Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's someone from M's past and who has it in for her. So, interesting, the grudge is this time with M rather than with Bond, which is which is a, a, another different little twist on matters. Um, I think, yeah, the scene with Naomi Harris is, is iconic, isn't it? Um, the scene at Skyfall itself um, is is also it's yeah, quite like a long drawn out action, which is great, really good. Yeah, and um, the fight yeah, with the I Komodo mean, dragons is a bit weird. Yes, that is <laughs> what's a bit all that weird. about? Are they really that dangerous? I don't know. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently okay. they can be. I mean, um, if they're that dangerous, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But I mean, the MI6 building—it's interesting, isn't it? Because in all of the early Bond films. Um, you're, you pretty much only see the inside of MI6 headquarters. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a couple of establishing shots of some vague central London building. You can't, don't quite see what it is. But then, of course, you, you now know famously where the MI6 building is by the Thames. And not only do we now know where that is, it seems like a vulnerable spot for major terrorist activities, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, in this film, it gets part, well, quite largely uh, blown to smithereens. Um, interesting kind of strike at the very heart of british intelligence isn't it really to attack it at, at its heart yes um this was the one powerful that, film yeah it, it was a 50th anniversary film as well so they put quite a lot of little easter eggs in and nods back to previous mm. bomb films um, yeah so yeah. you had the aston martin db5 and yes yeah, the, yeah which has made a couple of returns hasn't it and uh, not least yeah. in i thought it was a bit cheap that was a bit cheesy to be honest but mm. yeah they've done they, they like, like to do that don't they through the ages with different different people involved in the filmmaking they've done it before honor majesty's secret service is heavily uh, didn't happen to the, the other guy. Film. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know. Yeah, well, I was going to say in the, in the new film they reference on her majesty's secret service they in a number of ways. A few films, yeah. And in in on her majesty's secret service as you said, this didn't happen to the other guy is a line in the opening scene on the beach which seems very yeah. bizarre. It's really jarring because it's it's good to have little nods to other films, but that doesn't make sense unless you're directly addressing the audience. No, exactly. it's almost breaking the fourth wall, isn't it? It's a very yeah. weird way of referencing it. Also, there's, there's some other um, things. In fact, the title sequence, which isn't the best one, to be honest. I, I think the whole of the beginning of that film is not great. The opening sequence yeah. isn't anything special. The titles... Not compared to something like Casino great. Royale, where you have all the park all running through the building. Yeah, yeah like which that. I think is possibly the best opening sequence, arguably. But anyway, um, maybe that's a whole other podcast to come in the future, um, either Bond-related or otherwise. But um, yeah, that opening title sequence has a load of actual images from the original films. So you've got Pussy yeah. Galore and you've got um, Dr. No and a few other images shown yeah. very ostensibly in the titles intertwined in the titles so a little bit of heavy handedness there bit bit odd really it's yeah. almost as if change of bond we've got to make some kind of reference to the past to show this is you know to reinforce the idea that, yeah this is still james bond you know yeah seems seems a bit weird seems a bit weird anyway but, uh but yeah great it's film, got I some think. cracking really action sequences in it 
Hmm. It's got a proper baddie who, I mean, sometimes the, 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 the bomb villains can be a little bit flaky, but I mean, in this yeah. case, you, he's genuinely quite menacing, isn't he? He is very menacing. And of course, you mentioned No Country for Old Men. He, he's a good villain in general, isn't he? I think he mm. plays the part well. Um, Javier Bardem, he's, he's, he's a good actor in general. He's great. And as a villain, yeah. He, yeah, he just fits the bill. He's great. Very good. Bit weird on the hair front. I'm not, not quite <laughs> sure about that. Why I, why I felt the need to dye his hair, I'm not quite sure. But uh, anyway, um, I, I love it. I think it's a great film, entertaining. I do think, if anything, it's maybe a little bit long. Maybe yeah. drags slightly. Um, which is why I think the runtime's long, but, um, but in general, uh, I think it's a good solid Bond film. One of Daniel Craig's better ones, certainly, than some we could mention. <coughs> Quantum of Solace. Quantum of so- <laughs> well, to- let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Qu- everybody knows the, the, the Daniel Craig running order in terms of quality. Quantum of Solace is number five and <laughs> Spectre is number four. And then there are arguments about what order to put the yeah, other three. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. Another plot spoiler. We, we have, neither of us have got Quantum of Solace in our top <laughs> yeah. fives. <laughs> um, I watched I it again much, and it did. Yeah. No, you, yeah, it, it wasn't any better. Really? No. It just <laughs> seemed like they cut loads out of it. The bits just don't happen and it's just the sort of quick cuts and moving around. It just, it just seems too short. It just feels like the, the it feels like there's a good film somewhere that they've knocked half an hour out of, so it didn't really make sense anymore. But yeah, I mean, this is the irony, isn't it? This is the irony. It's almost the exact opposite of Skyfall. Skyfall could have been trimmed yeah. and slightly more efficient on editing, and yet this film looks like it's been too efficient on editing, if you know what I mean. Anyway, let's talk about the best Bond films, not the, the worst ones. Exactly, in, <laughs> indeed. So, yeah, so I've got Skyfall at number four. Uh, just one quick bit to, to follow up on. Rotten Tomatoes, I'll go back to that as I did with the other one. Um, in this one, Critics Consensus says Sam Mendes, who is, of course, the director on this one, didn't mention that before, sorry, um, brings Bond surging back with a smart, sexy, riveting action thriller that qualifies as one of the best 007 films to date. So clearly they think it is. I mean, he's a, he's a theatre actor, isn't he? He knows how to work with actors and he gets the most out of his... The acting yes. in this is a different level compared to yeah. any other James Bond film. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm, oh, I'm not sure how much he had to do with quite a lot of the uh, action sequences. I mean, yeah. yes, that's true. Yes. Um, the stunt men, the unsung heroes, aren't they? Mick Armstrong normally, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but you mentioned Ray Fiennes as being one of the people lined up as possible bonds. I thought he was great. In this, yeah. He, he, of course, he's in this as, um, as M, M, isn't he? As, um, yeah. Yeah, as M. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think he's, he's pretty good as well. Yeah. He's, he's a good yeah. actor in the right roles. He's, he's, he's great. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So that's my number four, Phil. And what do you have in that position? Number four, I won't sing it this time because it's yeah. I've gone Probably for best. your eyes only. Oh, the first Bond film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, is this nostalgia based? First of all, no, well, no. I mean, every 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 now and then they'll do a James Bond film that's just out there and does and is a bit is is a bit weird or like Moonraker or something like that. And then they'll say, right, we want to get back to the, to make the gritty James Bond film. And whenever they do that, I like the gritty James Bond film. So I'm always going to love it, you know? So uh, for your eyes only the 1981 film as film directed by John Glenn, but uh, we'll go into it. So James Bond is assigned to find a missing British vessel equipped with a weapons encryption uh, device and uh, prevent it from falling into enemy hands. Uh, 
and it's based on a couple of Ian Fleming short stories, uh, Fool Your Eyes Only and Risico. So, yeah, so a couple of years before this, we had Moonraker, which was the die another day of its time. It it was phenomenally successful. Um, after Spy Who Loved Me, they wanted to make Fear Eyes Only next, and then Star Wars mm. was massive, and everybody was obsessed with science fiction, so they made Moonraker, and it was the highest-grossing Bond film to date. After that, unfortunately, um, United Artists, uh, they'd had a massive flop with Heaven's Gate, and... When the, the 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 budget for the next bomb film was drastically 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 reduced from what it would have been before so they had kind of severe financial problems so directors that they previously had were, were, were too expensive so that's why they got the film editor john glenn to kind of step up uh and direct this was his first bomb first bomb film and then he did what's it five fit five bomb films in a row um there's less gadgets. There's Bond relying mm. more on his wits. It's kind of seen very much as a kind of back to basics. It's symbolically, there's a scene near the beginning where uh, a Lotus is blown up. So it's, and he has to then do the, the, the car chase in the girl's Citroen 2CV, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> yes. That's um, great. So you can sort of see that this is a different Bond and yeah, and it's a, it's a, it doesn't really work very well. They try to do a kind of different love story in that him and Melinda, Melinda Havelock, played by Carol Bouquet, French actress, the whole idea was that she just didn't fall into his arms. She was just obsessed with revenge, and that's what she wanted above everything else. Um, and it's, it, the love, their relationship just doesn't really work very well. But there's a lot of very, very good, th- good things happening in this film. I absolutely love it. Um, the opening sequence is not one of the strongest. It's the one where he basically yeah. picks up <laughs> Blofeld and drops him down the chimney. But it's quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, so, I mean, to set the scene, um, I think looking at what was happening behind the scenes in Bond films is fascinating. So you're going to get quite a lot of this information, I'm afraid. So after, obviously, Diamonds Are Forever, Sean Connery says, no more Bond. Mm-hmm. obviously he then made a rival Bond film with Never Say Never Again which we may or may not talk about um, and he could he couldn't be talk about into returning so the front runners uh, for the role were Adam West Burt Reynolds can you believe that Adam West oh, Burt yeah. Julian Glover who plays Christatos in this film he, Julian Glover's great he, he makes a great villain um jeremy brett and some other unknowns michael binnington was almost became james bond and i have no idea who he is um ultimately roger moore got the job based on his success with the saint which actually his role as a saint started the day before dr no came out of the cinema i think interesting (laughs) i love the Saint. by the way another thing nostalgic memories of childhood i love well yeah yeah so roger moore signed a three-picture deal and then he did Live and Let Die, Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me. And after that, he did a kind of one film at a time deal. Yeah. So at this kind of, and they obviously had to read you quite a lot of the scripts to kind of more fit in with his comic persona. Yeah. So at this time, they were thinking, oh, he's getting on a bit. I mean, ultimately, he would make 
three more James Bond films. <laughs> and he gets older and older and older all the time. But at that time, they were seriously considering uh, Lewis Collins, who was Brody in The Professionals at the time, and Ian Ogilvie, who was his successor playing The Saint. Yes, um, Timothy indeed. Dalton actually got offered the role for Free Your Eyes Only, and he turned it down. Roger Moore got upset that somebody was wow. offered his job turned it down. and stormed off. And came yeah. back again quite quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, it, uh, and um, yeah, and we, we have Roger Moore for, for one more film. And after this, every single Bond film for the next couple, uh, who's going to, is it going to be Roger Moore yeah. again or is it going to be somebody else? And I find it fascinating looking at some of the other names mentioned. Um, it's it's quite an un Roger Moore James Bond film, this one. And it's a bit, well, if you say, we say grittier, but there's, there's a sequence where, the the baddie lock is in a car on the edge of a cliff and he just kicks the car and the car goes tumbling down, which is a a, a normal thing to happen in a James Bond film. But Roger Moore doesn't kill people in cold, cold blood like that. You don't see him do that. Mm. Everything's with a smile. And it, I think he he has kind of quite a lot of reservations about about doing that. But he said it's not it's not a Roger Moore Bond like thing to do. Yeah, I mean, but but some of the stunts and some of the action sequences in this are, are absolutely fantastic. Um, the 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 kind of denouement at the end is is based on a monastery um, in which is actually in Greece. I think the monastery of the Holy Trinity in Meteora. It's like you've got a four hundred meter high cliffs on either side with yeah. the monastery sat on the top. At that time, so they've decided that'd be a great film to just great place to put the end of the film. So they paid the local bishop for, for use of the monastery, but the monks who were living there didn't get anything and they weren't happy about the James Bond film turning up. So they right. just tried to disrupt in any possible way they could by just hanging flags everywhere. And they basically got shut inside their rooms and weren't allowed to come out when they were filming. And they were just trying to do everything they could to disrupt filmmaking. Um, Roger Moore's scared of heights. And there are some scenes where he kind of has to hang off the top and like or, and climb down a little bit and so what do you think he did to get his courage up to hang over a 400 meter straight drop down oh what did he drink loads of martini shaken not stirred <laughs> he had a few drinks to be yeah. safe yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i think Brilliant. health and safety was a very very different uh beast back perhaps then. it was a um, don perignon 57 there's a bob there's, there's a bobsleigh uh chase scene in this film which is great but one of the stunt, oh, yeah. Yeah. stuntmen actually mm. died, mate. Might died doing that. It's quite tragic, really. I think it was on the last day of filming as well. Um, it's had a lot of mixed reviews at the time, but mm. I think since then, I think the appreciation, I think, of it has grown and grown. There's some great performances. Mm. Topol is fantastic in this film, playing um, Christartus's enemy, the uh, the Greek smuggler. I mean, he's he's just great. Yeah. Um, the well, Lynn Holly just on, Johnson. On that, if, I, if I could just say on topple, yeah, I mean, for anyone that, that is unfamiliar, he's the guy that plays um, the lead in Fiddler on the Roof, which is sort of a famous film of the. Uh, if you don't know that, he's in Fla- he's the mad scientist yeah. in Flash Gordon. In Flash Gordon, too, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's a very distinctive, big, burly character, but uh, with a playful presence about him. I think it's uh, safe to say one of a number of great sort of side characters, background characters, villains, various different people. In Bond films, there's lots of colourful actors, uh, isn't there, playing playing certain yeah. roles in in Bond, and he's one of them. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. 
Uh, sorry, go on, Phil. Yeah, so, yeah, but sadly, one actor we didn't get in this film was Bernard Lee. So he appeared in all 11 previous films, but he unfortunately died of cancer while they were filming. Mm. And so he had to be written out. But I think, I think it's, it's just a cracking, it's a James Bond film, but it's got a lot of the silliness taken out. It's got quite a lot of the exotic locations. You have a little bit of the stupid stupidness that you get with Roger Moore, like the McCourt, the parrot, that kind of tells them where they need to go to find the bad. Oh, yes. Eight actors and Swithens, or <laughs> yeah, which is a bit ridiculous. But all, all aside, I think it's a Saturday night, and you want to have a bit of entertainment. I think you could do a lot worse than this. I think it's it's great. It's a, I think I generally like the Bond films slightly move out away from the normal. Form formula and i think think this is one yeah actually it's just reminded me going back to my spy love me pick um the, the scene at the end um the, the closing scenes of course are very iconic in bond as well he usually ends up with a girl he's usually in an yeah. inflatable dinghy or in some kind of pod or something in, in this one he's in a pod a very bizarre ending that by the way because there's a pod that's an escape pod from the main construction that um, yeah. the, the, the villain's in draco's in and it's kitted out with a very kind of like seductive sweet isn't it it's like white yes. leather or something with champagne prepared i'm thinking hang on this bloke doesn't look like he's he's going to woo anyone though he's not there to, to take advantage of it anyway because it's the same at the beginning of Barbara back, to but, a kill where he goes into yeah. an iceberg and he's just yeah, going to get in with, with the champagne not likely really? to have happened is it yeah. <laughs> but, but the best bit is when they come back to shore he goes oh no one will know where we are and then he, they get sucked into the boats where all of the um, the Russian and British Secret Service people are, and they all see him, and they, he pulls a frilly curtain across the screen of the pod. It's so yeah. oh, it's, it's very heightened exaggeration of, of bondness, isn't it? And I guess even in Fewer Eyes Only, which, as you said, is kind of it's playing down the the cheesy elements a bit. It's yeah. still still has that funness shall we call it it has a bit of it i think that some of the locations yeah. in this are great stunts are great it's mm. i think it's uh, very underrated in the canon mm. indeed yeah so yeah good good interesting choice there i wonder i wonder if it will be on anyone else's fives including mine oh, to <laughs> see. okay i can reveal it's not <laughs> there we go i've said it it's out there now so yeah, so that's your number four, and um, on to my number three then, if you yes. if you're ready for it. Um, it's a film that we've already mentioned a, a little, a fair bit already. It's a film I saw uh, for the second or possibly third time ever today. It's uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. George Lazenby, um, the among the kind of Bond purists, with him. yeah, they they love this film beyond anything yeah. else i think it's one of the ones that kind of really does follow the book i mean um the first kind of two or three bond films follow the book sort of slavishly and and then they go their own way completely yeah Some, i mean yeah. spy of love me is spy of love me is a short story about some a couple that we don't know unrelated to bond that is staying in the same hotel yeah, you know. Whereas I think it's very highly rated by a lot of people on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Mm. I never could quite work out why. I've got to be perfectly honest. Uh, okay. It's one of my well, least favourite. But I think I just never got on with George Lazenby. I just couldn't. Yeah, I mean, I put it in there, and I have to say, I'm almost being a little flattering to it in the sense that it's got one key ingredient. This film, which means Diana Rigg. No, I was going. <laughs> well, yeah, she's she's very nice. Um, but no, I mean, in terms of reasons why I might not have had it, either A, in the top five, or B, this high 
in the top five at number three. And that is the lead, George Lazenby. I agree with you. I don't get on with him. He does something about him. Doesn't quite look convincing. I enough. think it was the same with Diana Rich. She hated him. Apparently, whenever she had to um, do kissing scenes with him, she'd eat loads of garlic beforehand. To, to, to oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, we've heard that one before as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting. The whole film is a curiosity to me, and I might, on further reflection, it might find itself somewhere else in my selections. I don't know, but um, to me, I found the way he's introduced because obviously you've only had one Bond screen yeah. Bond at this point. Suddenly, George Lazenby's placed in after several, and he he comes in, and you're first introduced to him from behind a rear view, uh, yeah. sorry, a, a rear seat view of him in the driver's seat. So you get his rather curiously shaped kind of protruding ear, yeah. which is quite distinctive. Then you see the dimple chin. I've got, I've got to say, I'm not a fan of dimple chins. Uh, just doesn't really do it at all. Bum chins, exactly. Kevin Keegan being the best example. Exactly, indeed, yeah. And, and Mickey Adams, of course, former Brighton and Hove Albion manager too. There's there's something cheesy about uh, those bum chin kind of looks, isn't there? Not only has he got that, but it's played upon. They actually focus on that yeah. before you see him in full. And then obviously we've got this. This is at the beginning in the opening scene, of course. And then, as we mentioned, we've then we've then got not a very good opening sequence, and you've got that very weird. Uh, reference to Sean Connery that comes in at the, uh, yeah. the end of the beach scene um, as she drives off. And I've got to say, that made me think twice about including it at all because I don't like him as Bond at all. I mean, he looks vaguely right, but I, something about him doesn't fit the bill. You know, it, it, yeah, he's, he's, he's quite action-y, he's quite athletic, he's got dark hair, he's the right sort of build, all that stuff. But that doesn't quite fit the bill. However, what I find interesting about this film is I think it's a good solid story. It's quite detailed. It's, it goes on, I think, two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's a long old And film, you've got this especially really, for time. Yeah. And, and the, the storyline is how it opens up is really bizarre, isn't it? Because you've got Bonds, who's obviously, you know, a seasoned campaigner, several missions. He's pulled off of one case to do with Blofels, uh, trying to chase him down. He's apparently been looking for him for two years at this point. Then he gets called into the office and he's uh, called off the case. And he decides that um, he's going to hand in his resignation. He, How he many asks, times has Bond done that? <laughs> exactly. I think this is the first time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's been, it? I think maybe. There's, been, there's been a few others, yeah. Yeah. And he, he, he asks Moneypenny to dictate his resignation letter. Then you see him unpacking his office. Again, there's references. I mentioned the title sequence and that, and that offhand comment on the beach. But there's also um, a scene where they pull out stuff from the drawer he pulls stuff out from the drawer and there's the belt from um dr no that's yeah, he had the suitcase and from, from the music love. kind of yeah. come, the song comes into audio yeah audibility and then yeah he's all the got time the all the time in the world was it or? all the time oh, no, the no, that, um, oh, yeah, yeah. no 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 not there yeah, underneath the, the mango tree yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and they've got the belt you know the belt from is it goldfinger or um, yeah yeah of love where he pulls the He's got it's an unraveling cord he pulls, yeah, from my and he's got yeah. all these gadgets in his drawer, and he's pulling them out, and they're clearly like referencing the past. And you think, what's going on here? Then it turns out Money Penny's not uh, written the resignation letter; she's changed it into a two weeks annual leave request. Yeah. So Bond gets called back in, gets told, granted, and nothing more said. And he thinks yeah. he's been had his resignation accepted. And yeah. He's he's only done it out of spite because he's been pulled off the Blofeld case. And then he he um he says thank you to Money Penny, and then as usual, 
M's eavesdropping on it. I don't know why Moneypenny is so blasé with conversations, knowing that it keeps eavesdropping on conversations from the office, from the yeah. secretary's office. But he says thank you to her as well. So it's keeping the two yeah. partners in this scenario together, which is interesting, a bit of a curiosity. Then he goes on this two-week annual leave, and he chases down this girl he's met in the opening sequence, Diana Rigg character, um, Tracy, who is yeah. Tracy or, or Teresa, um, played by Diana Rigg, Dame Diana Rigg, we should say now, yeah. as she now is. Um, and the, the story behind that is that um, there's this guy who, who's got his henchman um, walking around while he's trying to seduce her in one of the early scenes. Turns out he, he pulls Bond up to have a chat, and this guy turns out to be a mobster um, Diana Rigg's character, Teresa T- Tracy, is his daughter. And he's proposing basically that Bond marries her, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit bizarre. He says she needs taming. So there's all this references to misogyny and everything. Needs taming, needs a, the, the influence of a solid man to basically boss her around and, and stay on top of her, pardon the pun. And um, he's a mob boss as well. So yeah. now Bond is getting involved. With it was Gabriel Fazetti, her dad, isn't it? Who we actually yeah. spoke about when we did Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes, yes, indeed, yeah, yeah. And it's very bizarre. And ultimately, there is a connection to Blofeld that's been discovered, mutual interests, the story goes on. And, um, you know, Bond starts investigating this lawyer's office and various other things go on from there. Um, but the um, the general plot is to do with Blofeld's allergy research, which which is a yeah. curiosity in its own right. Uh, you've got your, your typical exotic locations come into play and the story goes on. But um, it's it's a very odd film in one sense. Then here we go with the plot spoiling. Again, switch off or pour, fast forward about two or three minutes if you have It's over it. 50 years old, people have had time. It's 50 years old. Um, this is the film which uh, in which Bond gets married um, to her. It's part of the arrangement. And she's shot straight away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and he genuinely, even though it's an arranged marriage, and it's quite a forced relationship, isn't it? She seems to genuinely. I mean, I mentioned for your eyes only earlier the opening scene in that he's at her grave when he gets picked up in the in the helicopter or or whatever. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there's that timeline confusion as well, um, which happens in other franchises of a different sort, which I could mention, but. um, but no, in this, I mean, it's basically an arranged marriage, isn't it? Yeah. Effectively. Nobody seems particularly set on each, each other. There's an attraction between the two, the yeah. male and the female, but there's nothing more than that. There's nothing, you know, n- no kind of longevity plans involved. And yet they end up getting into this arranged marriage through the mob, through the mob boss. Very bizarre. But the story I found intriguing, I like the fact it took a different slant. I liked... A lot of the details, the way the story unfolded, the way it was depicted in films. Um, but I've got to say, yeah, it's, it's a curious number. We have I Kojak. So, we, like so the previous Bond Savalas, film yeah. was You Only Live Twice, where we had Donald Pleasance as, as a, a Blofeld. Blofeld. Then, Donald Pleasance is great, isn't he? Yeah, no Donald Pleasance coming back. I mean, this is something that happened a lot in the Bond films. Quite a lot of the ancillary characters... I mean, Felix Leiter was a different actor in every single James Bond film until yeah, recently. Yes. And I think both felt was much the same, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I and, think and, so. and if I might, if I might add also, there, there's a very strong penchant in, in Bond films for casting exotic 
um, actors to play the part of exotic characters, but they never were from the country they were supposed to depict no. ever. You've got from is it from Russia with Love where you've got um, the Mexican actor playing a Turkish guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, an and it goes on and on. Playing it? the Russian agent, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've got Bianchi playing um, a Russian agent. She's Italian, clearly Italian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it goes on and on and on. But anyway, sorry, I've interrupted you. Back to you, yeah. Phil. No, no. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen this film in a while. I, I hated it when I was a kid because it didn't offer mm. me the same James Bond that I got in all the other James Bond That's films. That's the thing. It had, it had a more romantic uh, twang to it. If you listen to the score, there's some I think, interesting... And I think the, um, the Louis Armstrong song is probably up there as well in one of my favourite theme tunes. And I think the way yeah. that they brought that back in the most recent James Bond film is brilliant. Yeah, because we mentioned the yeah, referential stuff, really, and that really was well. that, that was good. You had the Aston Martin, you had that that song, you had, shall we say, two or three other references as well. But I think that's what I can see why, as a kid, you wouldn't like that, and I think that's why I maybe that's why I didn't watch it again for a long time. So I wasn't that sure yeah. about it. Um, but it's it's got a romantic air to it in some of the score. It does have it has less of the really big set good pieces, doesn't it? It does. It's more of a mature piece. film. You it, say, it doesn't have respect. the kind of quite so many exotic locations that you normally have. Yeah. It's a slow burner, actually. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Fair bit. I mean, and he's it, up at that Allergy Institute for a long time. Yeah, and well, it, I've actually been to that film, place in Switzerland where they filmed that. I, did, I, I went there. <laughs> I actually, I actually kind of went there on accident. I went there thinking with with some friends. You've got a long time ago now, about twenty five hmm. years ago, and I'm thinking. I recognise this place. <laughs> this is from so Amazon's service. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And, and the location's obviously a major point in Bond films. But in this, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a mature, slow burner, romantic, inflected film. It's, it's kind a bit different because the director was Peter Hunt, it's more who normally kind Peter of... Hunt, yeah. He was a production designer or something, wasn't he? Yes, I think, he, I think yeah. so. I think that's right. And it's more reflective and it's more... Um, Adult, I suppose you could say, in in, in mature terms, adult. Um, I will have to but, watch it again. Yeah, yeah, maybe have another look because I I like it. I I like it because it's a bit different. I think. Yeah. The other thing to mention, it has got some classic stuff in here. First of all, some some great scenes. Secondly, the skiing, can, yeah, the skiing stuff, yeah, and the music. Obviously, you've mentioned Louis Armstrong's song, which is a brilliant song. You've got two or three new score elements that are introduced and themes which um, haven't been heard before and I think are very, very good. So I think the score in general yeah. is excellent. Um, and it's got, um, yeah, some good some good villains again, I think, as well. I think it's yeah. not bad. It's not bad. Um, yeah, I, I can't really think of much more to say yeah, about I that. Yeah, I mean... Ballas, you mentioned. Yeah, so George Lazenby, I mean, I think... He did this film and they weren't sure, quite sure about him when the film came out. It came out in 1969, very much the summer of love. I think he yes. got, after the film came back, he got invited back to a kind of meeting with Cubby Broccoli to discuss what happens next. He'd fallen into the whole beatnik kind of flower power thing. He came back, he had long hair, he had a massive beard and Cubby Broccoli, I think, took one look at him and went, right. Let's give Sean whatever he wants to come back and do another one. To come back, Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that you say Summer of Love. I mean, maybe that's the interesting thing, this romantic inflection in this film. You know, it's it, it films are of their time, aren't they? And this, and yeah. I think what you've said has probably just actually sums it up nicely. Yeah. 
So there we go. The only thing is, if you'd had have had Sean Connery in this film, I think it would have enhanced it a lot, provided oh, yeah. that that change of tone or whatever they wanted to do with it would have worked as well. Because I, yeah. I think that would have made it a much better film, I think, I have I to say. So. And that's why it's not higher up the list, that's for sure. He says as he opens his third beer, I'm going for Hickory Clan Caviar now. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Which is from the Turning Point Brewery. They're very good. I like these guys. I'm going to enjoy this one. Phil, what do you want? Are you still on the brew dog? I'm still chance? on the brew dog. Um, I'll, we'll, do, we'll do the next film, then I'll go and get another one. Yeah. Hopefully you can hear this classic pouring noise I'm making. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to get picked up by the mics. Who knows? <laughs> so that, that yes. was your number three. Number three. Yes, it was. Yeah. And so uh, my number three from Russia with love. Is this the first oh. Connery one that we've had come up? I think it might be mine. It? it is so far, yeah. Yeah, Russ Connery so far, yeah, yeah. A so, great film from Russia with love. I won't sing it. I came very close to it. I haven't had enough to drink yet. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> James Bond willingly falls into an assassination plot involving a naive Russian beauty in order to retrieve a Soviet encryption device, the Lecter. Nothing to do with Silence of the Lambs. That was stolen by Spectre. <laughs> So, yeah, um, the second James Bond film after Dr. No. So Dr. No did very, very well, better than I think people expected when it came out. And after success, United Artists screened it a second Bond film. They doubled the budget to $2 million. Around about the same time, they weren't quite sure which Bond film to kind of make as the second one. At about that time, none other than JFK listed from Russia with Love as one of his 10 favourite books ever and they wanted to cash in on all of that free publicity and thought we'd better make that film next and it was actually, this was the last film that JFK saw before he went to the grassy knoll at Dallas um, It's and so that, well, that was what I was choosing I mean, this introduced a lot of the conventions that would become well, well known it has the pre-title sequence it has the first appearance of Blofeld. It has the secret weapon gadget. It has a helicopter sequence. Um, in the 21st century, helicopter sequences aren't quite so sexy as they were in the 1960s. Pretty much, you go through the first dozen Bond films, they've always got a helicopter sequence of some description because that was, you know, one of the most exciting things you could put on film. Uh, it had a postscript action scene after the main climax. It had the theme tune which we didn't obviously have with From Russia With Love, that's stayed ever since. And yeah. also had the James Bond will return in the credits at the end. So you always knew what the next Bond film they were going to be doing was. Also, yeah, we talked, about, we talked about the build-up of, in those early years of, of yeah. how things started to get instigated. And as you're, you're right, I think there was a larger number in this film than any other of new things, as you said. And theme also tune, introduced the way it's set up. Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Yes, <laughs> and most importantly. So, so, I mean, it does follow the book almost quite well um they <laughs> almost the book, quite well <laughs> so in in the book specter replaces smirsh as it's known in the book because smirsh it was an actual um kgb uh, department or i think or something along lines and there were political overtones the yeah. cuban risk missile crisis only been the year before yeah and they, and they really reference it don't they yeah don't they, don't they make a point I about saying do, i used yes, to be yeah. in smirch and now i'm inspector yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah i mean uh, you have the big uh 
Spectre training sequence at the end, which they completely ripped off of Spartacus, which had come out a year or two before. <laughs> so the yeah. cast, um, Robert Shaw, I mean, come on. Uh, Robert Shaw as Red Grant, I think is the best casting in the history of cinema. I think, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Robert Shaw as uh, Quinn in Jaws is pretty, I mean, Robert Shaw in anything is brilliant. Um, Robert Shaw is brilliant. We should do Robert Shaw at some we point. We should do Robert Shaw, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so 1960 Miss Universe runner up. Danielle Bianchi, she was cast as Tatiana, Tatiana Roman, Roman, Romanova. Um, I think there was a whole list of different actresses that were up for it. And Sean Connery got to pick which one he fancied the most, and she got the job. <laughs> and I love Obviously, we are talking about 1963 friend... here. <laughs> yes, yes, let's, let's put this all in perspective. A lot of this is cringing by modern standards, we have to admit. She by the way, did... it says that, she says, um, and my friends call me Titsy. <laughs> it's quite... I was like, okay, fine. Yes. Well, <laughs> anyway, yeah. go on. Um, yeah, she didn't actually speak very much English. Hmm. So as happened quite a lot with a lot of Bond films of, of the 60s, the dialogue was completely redubbed. I mean, it's the same with Goldfinger. Um, yeah. So with quite a lot of characters. So it's yeah. redubbed by a British stage actress. Um, the first scene where they meet in the, James Bond and... Uh, Tatiana meet in this film is a bedroom scene, which is kind of quite famous to the Bond fans yes. in that yeah. um, that's what why. they use. For, <laughs> well, it, that's it's, that's what they used for the car, the, the kind of um, the screen test for prospective Bonds and Bond girls for decades afterwards. I think they might even still do it when the, just to kind of check out the chemistry. They have to act mm-hmm. that scene if you're going to be a Bond and you're screen testing. You'll be you'll be acting out that scene, and, and similarly for Bond girls to see where if the, the chemistry is there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. The scene um, being that he he he's in the shower or something, isn't he? And he he hears yeah. a noise, suspects something, comes outside, walks around to the adjoining through the balcony to the adjoining room where he sees a naked figure, partially distorted by curtaining or something. Yeah. Um, but clearly a naked woman getting into a bed. It turns out to be his contact Lee. Um, you know the Russian, yeah, yeah. Tatiana. Yeah. Um, I think, and um, other people in this film, uh, Lotta Lenya, an Austria singer, better known yes. as Rosa Klebb. She's she's oh. an animal. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, she's properly scary. Um, Pedro, probably oh, apologies for my pronunciation here. Armandaris uh, plays Kerim Bay, the Turkish guy. Yeah. It's actually quite a sad story. So they were on location. He was dying, wasn't he? He was. He, they were on location mm. and he started feeling a bit rough. He went and found a doctor and he had inoperable mm. cancer and they mm. basically gave him a couple of weeks to live. So they had to film all of his scenes straight away while he was like, in lots and lots and lots of pain. No. Not that you notice it from any of the films. And as soon as literally the day after they finished shooting, he killed himself because he couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's um, awful. And I didn't actually know about that till I saw a documentary recently, and the yeah, on on one of the discs actually for Bond. And um, uh, yeah, it's a really really sad story. He's great at it as well. He's one of those yeah, engaging, charming characters, isn't he? He's the your your man in Turkey, Istanbul. Nice. It doesn't have any Russia in this, by the way. No, but it Russia does have the love. kind of globe trotting that is the first the first film to have that. I mean, mm. it was filmed in Istanbul. Venice, and Venice, Belgrade, so, Zagreb, Switzerland, although to 
qualify for British funding, 70% had to be filmed either in Great Britain or the Commonwealth. Yeah, so like all the gypsy camp was filmed at Pinewood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a scene with the rats. Yes, um, in the, in the uh, reservoir or sewer, isn't so it? So <laughs> that, that, they, they tried to film it in, in Turkey, um, but they couldn't get hold of the kind of the, 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 the brown rats that they wanted. So they got a load of white rats and covered them in cocoa. And it, um, <laughs> funnily enough, it looked rubbish and they couldn't use it. So, and it was illegal to shoot with wild rats in the, U, in the UK. So they had to then go to Spain to film that. Oh, <laughs> you couldn't imagine murders, that happening in a film now, really. Well, I've, got, I've got to say, by the way, this, this is one of the things with so many films, Bond included, where you, you think, oh, that character wouldn't have done that. Why didn't they just go here? Why didn't they just do that? The rat scene in the sewers nuts because they walk around, they're looking for routes out of where they are, and they turn around. There's a load of rats just swarming down this, walking along the, the floor of this sewer, and you think, well, why did they go away from that? Surely they can walk yeah. through some rats. They're scared. They're not scared of villains, but they're scared of rats, and they go a different way yeah. on that basis. It seemed a bit odd, you know. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Coco, eh? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, another change from the book, um, the helicopter and the boat chase weren't mm. in the book. They were changed to kind of add a little bit of a kind of action climax. They mm. basically stole the the the, um, the helicopter bit from North by Northwest and then they added, yes. an, extra ex- they added an extra explosion. Um, again, health and safety standards. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was this was this was quite risque, wasn't it? The, Connery so was the, still running the, around they, the Scottish yeah, Highlands, the being nearly hit. They shot the explosion <laughs> in Pinewood. Um, yeah, one the actor who plays Mordzeni, or Walter Gotel, who'd later be known as General Gogol in all of the Roger Moore films, mm. he basically had his eyelids burnt off. I think, <laughs> I think, and and quite and three stuntmen ended up in hospital because they couldn't get the explosion right. I mean, this is before they started doing big kind of blockbusters and things like that. Mm. I think we were in the very very early days of that. But yeah. um, another thing that was particularly brutal is the train fight between Sean Connery and Robert Shaw. Con- yeah. Considering this is 1963, it's yeah it's it's brutal i mean they really really i mean it took, they spent three weeks shooting that fight and they really go at it yeah <laughs> like particularly really for it. its time i mean the violence quite a lot worried the producers and the production at the time i mean one of the things that they did a lot of in james bond i mean it's done in a lot of films now and james bond films mastered it was putting the little quip in or the little joke in afterwards that renders the violence so it takes yeah. the edge off it. I mean, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger did it a lot in the 80s as well. But you'd have this incredible violence. And you think the censors will never let that through. And then they make a joke of it and move on to the next bit. And... Shocking. Truly yeah. shocking. Yeah. <laughs> I think he got the point. Yeah. Yeah, he got the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, that that fight between those two, one of the best fights in mm. Bond films. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, and, I mean, there's, there is an earthiness to this, which later comes back with the Daniel Craig stuff. I think this is a film that's, really superior in terms of um you actually you you actually feel for the characters and it's because it it's before the kind of formula had been set you actually want him to stay with the girl when you're worried about both of them you're not thinking oh she's going to die soon there'll be another one yeah yeah i I really think it's a good solid it's got that whole feel of an espionage thriller yeah you know the ipcris file all those kind of films they've got that earthiness to them 
And I remember my missus saying she prefers things like the Ipcris file to Bond because Bond is they've got that loose, ludicrous farcical kind of over yeah. the top edge, and she likes the grittiness of a proper kind of you know nuts and bolts thriller such as the Chris file and those those kind of films and actually from russia with love is like that as well it the is. fight sequences are as you said they're drawn out and they're, they're rugged and awkward and it's, it's it feels quite genuine and um, some of the violence in bond films is kind of ludicrous isn't it and um, roger moore managing to hold his you own you can't imagine roger moore beating up anybody really can. exactly he's he doesn't look athletic if you look at him his legs are slightly Gangly. He looks good. In a, he looks good in a space and, suit, but he doesn't look good punching somebody. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Connery, I think this is where Connery has a claim to being one of the what, what, for being the best Bond is because he looks like he can handle himself. Genuinely, he's got an athletic build. He was yeah. what was it, Mister Universe, wasn't it, or something yeah. like that? Or and you know, yeah, he, he has a lot more of an air of, of of menace about him, doesn't he? Yeah, he has got a genuine clinical, I think cynical so, edge to him. Um, I think Ian Fleming actually loved Sean Connery as he thought he was great. So in all of the books, um, yeah. there are 12 books, 12 novels and two books of short stories. I think he, he was, he'd never mentioned Bond's family at all. And then he was writing the book for, for You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Just as when, while they were filming Dr. No. And he suddenly made, you know, James Bond half Scottish because he was just so impressed by <laughs> Sean Connery. Half Scottish, half Swiss. Yes. Well, of course, that's the thing. Um, Sean Connery, famous for doing loads of different accents. Yeah. Maybe not. It's untouchables, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That famous the, American, the, the Irish, the Irish American, Scottish. the Scottish accent. Yeah. It, then there's that it, Russian guy in the submarine. Oh, yeah, he's Humphrey got a Scottish over. accent for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, don't get me started on Highlander, where he plays a Spanish, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Highlander, the most Scottish sounding film ever. And he's playing the role of a Spaniard. <laughs> it's like my mate, my mate Chris, who who could not look anything other than Irish, and he's an actor. He's he's got small roles in quite well-known films and yeah. and bigger roles in films that people don't really know. But he he looks Irish in everything, and he always seems to get knocked off in every film, which is quite an amusing running joke. And then the one time there's a film set in Ireland where it's about the undertones being discovered. Um, yeah. I've, forgotten, I've forgotten the name of the film at the moment. It might come back to me in a minute. And, um, oh, Good Vibrations. And, yeah. um, and, and he's in it. And I thought, great, he's going to play an Irishman. It's going to be a favourable role and he won't actually get killed for a change. He turns up in the scene. He's playing a German music critic <laughs> with a ridiculous <laughs> accent. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I'd say Bonds, going back to Bonds, same theme. The number of people that are cast in different ways. From Russia with Love, the interesting thing is, for once, they've got a Brit, Robert Shaw, playing yeah. a Brit. And yet, ironically, he looks more Russian because they've dyed his hair blonde. Yeah. So he looks very un-British, doesn't he? Even though he is British and he's yeah. playing British. Um, it's, it's I've, read, a, it's I've, read, I've read all the books um, some time yeah. ago now, and they have a full backstory for... Donovan Grant, uh, yeah, yes. Greg Grant, yeah. and you he's, just hearing about he's a convict, how, isn't he? Who's yeah, been recruited and, and, and trained and, and, you know, and conditioned. He's a fascinating character. I wish we could, mm. we got a spin-off film with him, and it would have been great. <laughs> Maybe that's the next <laughs> thing it, they it, do. It was a very, very popular film. It was the most popular film in the UK in 1963. Double Dr. Nose Gross. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a kind of last James Bond film before Goldfinger mm. was the next one where the kind of more of the cartoony elements yeah. kind of came in, in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love it it's the best book 
and it's the third best film. Right. If you want to, if, if you want to read any of the books, read this. Yeah. If I revise my top five, the interesting thing is um, from Russia with Love, which just missed out. I've got it at number yeah. six. That would be definitely the one to go into the top five, obviously, because yeah. it's the next one in line. And curiously, it might even be on a Majesty's Secret Service that got moved from number three. <laughs> um, it's it's so odd. It's really I found it really difficult to pick from my top six into a top five. And from Russia with Love, I the more you talked about it, the more I'm regretting I'll keep him in. I did all 25 Eon films and the two other ones. I managed to go through <laughs> and rank all of them. <laughs> you watched all 27 again no no I ranked them all in order oh alright I was going to say uh, well, maybe we'll go into that a little bit <laughs> you'd have um, to have some time off work I think. <laughs> we'll go, when we do the honourable mentions maybe we'll have a bit more of a chat yeah. about that yeah. okay well that, that is um, that's I've just got top... one more oh, no, amusing go ahead, go ahead. little story to add on this um, Daniel Please do. Da- Danielle Bianchi who is one of my favourite Bond girls it has to be said oh yeah um, she didn't make very many films like most Bond actresses, but one film she did make, I've never seen this, but I, I know I never will, but I was just reading up on this. She made the film Operation Kid Brother a couple of years later, which is a James Bond spoof, again dubbed, yeah. and it starred Neil Connery, Sean's <laughs> well-known brother. So I thought, I didn't know Sean Connery had a brother who was an actor, so I looked up Neil Connery on Wikipedia, as you do, and his Wikipedia page states, and I quote, Scottish <laughs> actor and plasterer until an accident in 1983 ended his plastering career. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, I so love I think it. it was an Italian spin-off. They got quite a few other um, Bond actors in. They actually got um, Lois Maxwell, Money Penny. They got Bernard Lee, mm. M. Um, they got... Um, Largo from Thunderball, Adolfi Celli. Yeah. They got Dr. Nose, Anthony Dawson, who played Professor Dent in. Um, I think it was a cash in. Apparently, it's terrible. So we're back with our next part where we are up to our top twos, Phil. We are oh, indeed. The excitement's killing I've, me, you know. It's it's the middle of November and I've moved on to my first Christmas beer. So I'm on the brew dog, <laughs> Poppy Xmas. It's not as strong as some Christmas ales can be. It's only 6%. Some of them get 8 9%. But, um, yeah, it's not bad. It's not I mean, we're talking bad. about James Bond and I'm drinking Christmas beer, so I'm feeling very festive right now for the middle of Absolutely. The two things just go hand in hand. I'm still having my hickory clam caviar, but I have lined up for myself when I finish that. You will no doubt hear the cracking of a can later on. Penrose Brewery, who featured previously okay. in my comments in the past, the Session Sour. This is one that really divides opinion. I've got oh, okay. one of our listeners, Nick. Um, will Sours be very... quite often do, don't they? I quite yeah, often like a half a sour. And that's well, that's enough. what this is effectively. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I agree with you. You can't yeah. sit there for the night drinking sours. That's just no. the definition of insanity, really. Um, but there we go. Anyway, so we're into our top twos. Phil, you just off air have claimed you know what my, or you think you know what my top two are. And you think that our number twos will be the same. Possibly. So you're convinced that I don't know what your number one is. Or, yeah, well, we we'll don't find have the same out soon, one. won't we? Yeah. 
yeah, this is intriguing, intriguing. I do love the genuine intrigue of this. It's great. Okay, <laughs> well, we're about to find out most of what you're thinking anyway um, by me revealing my number two. It is Casino Royale. And yes, Which is I'm also about the, my number two. Your number two. two. There we go. Oh, this call is me Nostradamus. This is the Daniel Craig version. We're just yes. clarifying Not the Woody <laughs> as Allen if we needed to. <laughs> Isn't um, what's his name in it as well? Sellers, Peter yeah, Sellers. Peter Sellers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we are Some of the talent in that film now. is amazing, but it's terrible. It came Dreadful. in my in my ranking of Bond films. It came twenty seven out of twenty seven. Right. Well, there's no it's need the to only do film Bond that films. die How another day beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is. Oh, I do know what your number one is. I've just realised what your number one is. I think I do know what it is. Yes, we shall see. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. So, Casino Royale, Casino Royale. the Daniel Craig version, two thousand and six, is both of our number twos, oh, uh, starring Daniel Craig, obviously. Yeah. Um, Phil, do you want to fire away? You've probably got more notes than I have. Let's go for it. Yeah. So, um, we just mentioned Die Another Day. Um, I think it was uh, it was it was not good. Let's be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> it's dreadful. It's dreadful. It, it was a career killer all round. I mean, Lee Tamahori, Harry Palaberry, um, Pierce Brosnan. Hardly anybody involved in that film ever worked again. Um, the guy who played the baddie, Toby, whatever his name is, he just ended up in TV after that, didn't he? Anyway, Toby Stevens, isn't it? Toby Stevens, yeah. He was great Benching in Black Souls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It had Madonna in it. Come on. Um, it was seen as too <laughs> fantastical with too much CGI, and the CGI yeah. in that was absolutely terrible. Is it Toby they, Stevens? That's Maggie Smith's son? I don't know. Somebody, don't somebody know. with a different surname is Maggie Smith's son. I can't oh, remember okay. who it is. It might be him. Anyway, anyway, I don't yeah, know. So, um, as has happened before, they decided they wanted to make a more realistic James Bond. You may remember about that time, Quentin Tarantino came in. He pitched adopting Casino Royale, set in the 60s, with Pierce Brosnan's Bond and Uma Thurman as, as Vespa Lind. Eon said no straight away, because they, as we mentioned earlier, they like to stay with within their kind of own little way. But I think they it must have lit a bulb somewhere because they did do a reboot starting from scratch of Casino Royale. So there was a, a big old gap between the films. In 2005, Sony led a consortium that purchased MGM and they got distribution rights. So Pierce Brosnan, he originally signed up to do four films. His deal had run out. He announced that he was stepping down. They screen tested a number of people for the role. Um, Goran Viznich, you may remember from ER, he came in, he couldn't do an English accent properly. Um, another person that can't do an English, if you've ever seen The Boys on Amazon, another person who can't do an English mm. accent properly is Carl Urban. He screen tested. Um, <laughs> Henry Cavill, who we may yes. or may not talk about Superman. later as a possi- possible uh, future Bond. He was only 22 at the time. I think they liked him, but they said he was too young. Other mm. people that, that were also screen tested were Sam Worthington, who was in the Avatar films, Dougray yeah. Scott, uh, Ewan McGregor, Rupert Friend, and talking of the boys, Anthony Starr, also a Kiwi actor. A lot of those are good choices, um, one of yeah. which is not... Um, uh, who, who did you say before Rupert Friend? What was the name before that? Ewan McGregor. Yeah, no, <laughs> simply no. But the others, the others are good choices. Yeah, 
Mm. Uh, well, potential choices. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so a year or so before, Daniel Craig had kind of ruled himself out completely, saying, you know, the, the series is formulaic and, you know, it's, you know, I'm not interested. Then he read the script and then he read all Fleming's novels. He made a film around about the same, that time called Munich and he had got to talk to a lot of, sort of Mossad um and British Secret Service agents, and mm. I think he got a lot more interested. Now, he was... It's, it's kind of difficult to go back to 15 years to remember what a controversial choice he was and the sheer amount of abuse that he got. So yeah. the front page, the front page of the Daily Mirror was the name's bland, James Bland. Wow. He's not a website, that, he? Whatever you think. There was a website set up called Daniel Craig's Not Bond, and there were a lot... <laughs> Uh, I mean, they, a lot of people were just saying he's not the tall, dark, charismatic image of James Bond. He's a scouser, you know. Did any um, of these people like Roger Moore, though? That's the question. I don't know. Well, Roger Moore actually Maybe. loved Daniel Craig on seeing the film. He was absolutely blown away. Um, oh, so in terms of who else was in the film, um, Vespa Lind, the love interest, this was the first oh. time we got a real proper love story, probably since on the Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, um, Eva Green, of course, in the role. Uh, Angelina Jolie and Charlize Theron were considered. Um, it came very, very close to being Olivia Wilde, um, as Cecile de France and Audrey Tattoo couldn't really master mm. the English accent. It went to Eva Green. I think she's absolutely fantastic in this. She's uh, great, she's, isn't she? Yeah, she's terrible in a few other things, but she's very, very good in this. And she's um, French, but she has an English name. Which I think again, she's almost she half the, French, half English. Bill, I think I'm not sure. Oh, is it? Oh, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that the whole. I mean, Julie Dench was kind of the only returning character back as M. Jeffrey Wright yeah. came in as Felix Leiter. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, Mads yes. Mikkelsen. Um, he's quite an established Hollywood actor now, but at that time he was only really known in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a big star right. there. This was his first international hit. He's, he's, I mean, he plays the Chifra. He was a very interesting character because hmm. normally the Bond films have a that big bad that's kind of almost seen as infallible. Whereas in this case, yeah. he's got almost as much to lose as Bond. He's gambling with terrorists' money. You know, he's yes. he's he's in a lot of trouble too. Um, yeah, I mean, they got rid of a. There's no, no, very little of the CGI. I think the Venice section at the end is the only time where it has it, and it's just a proper, proper. I mean, it's just brilliant from start to finish, isn't it? I love this film. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I loved, uh, contrary to all of that criticism you've just um, uh, alluded to. I, I, I thought he was a great choice. I was familiar with him as an actor from a number of films. I've seen him in his very... There was a TV series called Our Friends in the North. That was on the yeah, which I haven't seen, actually. Oh, it's fine. But it's got him and, um, and Christopher Eccleston and Gene Isn't McKee Olivia Colman in that as well? Yeah, and um, Mark Strong um, as well, yeah. Yes, Mark Strong, yeah. And, I mean, but I've seen him in a load of films. I can't remember which were before and after, so I won't quote the ones I've seen before because I'll probably get it He's wrong. He was in one of the two major seen... films as Angelina Jolie's love interest, I think, just before. <laughs> there's, there's a film called The Mother where he's um, he gets into a sexual encounter or two with a, a much older lady, played by Anna Reid, who is one of the dinner ladies from the Victoria Wood series, Okay, and she's in very. I've not heard of that. So you're you're talking about a very very big age difference, and there's yes. a sex scene. So basically, you've got James Bond shags a dinner lady. 
That's my caption for this. Um, <laughs> I think that was before Bond. It must have been. Otherwise, it was, but the, but the interesting thing in this was that although he got the abuse, there were a lot of the critics pointed out that he became the kind of the sex symbol in this rather than the Bond girl. Which, which kind of turned yes, things around a, a bit. Exactly. You had the Ursula Andress in Gold in uh, Goldfinger. No, I'm sorry, in Doctor No, uh, coming yeah. out of the water. And here, you again, it's this self-referential thing that Bond yeah. loves to do. Now it's him coming out of the water, and he is the um, his subjective figure who's, who's open to subjective, the, the, the gaze of the audience, shall we say, to look yes. upon this physical specimen this time it's bond himself it's an interesting twist which is great i, yeah. I like that I'm, i wasn't admiring bond's figure because i'm a heterosexual male but i like the twist involved i think yeah, it's a great yeah. idea to, to turn it on its head as you said they're cutting out all of the special effects which obviously over time became more and I mean, more of a big thing it became yeah, a, i mean some of the action sequences the, in this are there. i mean it starts with the black and white bit with the fight in the toilet you see the toilet smash yeah, i mean it's, yeah. it's pretty really violent isn't it it's really yeah. violent and um, more more so even than the from russia with love thing you were talking about it's almost yeah. a heart back to that actually isn't it and what i like about this i'd liken this in some ways to the thing that's being described as the kind of the bond for a modern age, the Born series, yeah. Born Identity. I think a lot some, that must have had some influence over this film. They, they definitely triggered off each other, didn't they? I think. Yeah. And I think. I'm Born not Identity, so much the original Born Identity, but I think the the, the, the um, Paul Greengrass ones, the Born Supremacy yeah. and the Born Ultimatum, when they suddenly brought in the kind of handheld cameras and and, yeah. and the in-your-face shots and. Yeah, I mean, there is that, but I would say the Born Identity, I liken that to From Russia With Love. It's got that whole yeah. general feel of espionage and, and genuine, earthy, pragmatic, rugged, kind of real uh, energy sort of yeah. stuff going on. It's not too ludicrous. There's not ridiculous action stuff going on. All of it feels feasible, it and does. that's the case in this film as well. And that's why I love it. It's about not getting it. a space think... shirt or going into space like in movies. Exactly, yeah. exactly. There's there's no there's no uh, comedy large figures with metal teeth waving goodbye on satellites to, to bond. Yeah. There's none of that ludicrous stuff going on. This this is a, a rugged. It feels like a genuine character. I mean, I know spy the spy world. It's not about suave, debonair heroes who look, can look after themselves to a ridiculous degree. I know it's still very much suspended in disbelief, yeah. but it feels more like it's real, doesn't it? It, it feels does. more like a, an earthiness to it. You see, I think you see him get hurt more. I mean, there's the torture scene yeah. in it, and you actually mm. see him really in a lot of pain. You never see, I mean, Goldfinger with the scene aside you never really see james bond kind of getting really in that much pain and hurt tortured yeah i mean that scene was actually kind of cut quite a lot i think yeah. to kind of get it past the senses in a lot of countries absolutely you, you, you i've mentioned my wife earlier about what she likes and doesn't like and she she's very tired of the format she's it's not a massive bond fan she gets tired of the whole regeneration and same old thing you know yeah. just, just doing another story what she liked to, she did like daniel craig as bond I think she's happy that kind of, you know, that segment's now finished. He's, he's finished his roles. Um, she's probably going to be irritated with whatever comes next. However, she likes about the Daniel Craig films, what I've just described about the earthiness, but also the fact, as you said, he's genuinely vulnerable. You mentioned also Mads Mikkelsen's character, the same. But, um, but Bond, you know, there's that scene 
in one of the films where he's stripped naked, tied yeah. up, and he's having certain swinging yeah, motions the, the end made. Of this film, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's proper pain. It's you can, oh, ow! It's really painful. Um, it's moody, it's edgy, it, it feels more violent. And I think for the modern age, the modern age is ready for that greater level of violence. I think we've become accustomed to that, haven't we? It's yeah. no longer seen as likely to cause people to go out and mass yeah. murder people on the basis and the, the panicky censorship errors might have might have had you believe. But um it, it it's I think it's 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 probably the most real feeling of all the yeah. Bond films. Because I think they've gone on a few more steps. possibly the new one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think the stuff in between uh, Daniel Craig's other three films, I think, just steps on to somewhere else. But I think, for me, um, I, I don't have another Daniel Craig in my top five. So I've mentioned Skyfall and I've now mentioned Casino Royale. For me, and I could have put the new one in, I, I need to see it again and yeah. have time elapse for me. But those three are definitely on a different level. And yeah. for me, I just felt, certainly from my perspective at the moment, that Casino Royale was just really hits the mark. He hit the ground running. He's the new guy in the role. He'd had all that criticism going around, and he absolutely nailed it. He's quite hands-on he, as well. Yeah, I think he was. He was. He's had injuries galore during film yeah, various um, film films, hasn't he? He he. I think he 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 got a lot of good reviews, not just for his performance, but from the way that he just shut up and didn't respond to the criticism, just went about his yeah. job and best and, way. And he he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this was the first James Bond film ever released in China, and they had to remove all uh, co- like uh, references to the Cold War, and they had to explain poker a lot more because the Chinese mm. quite like gambling but don't really know poker. <laughs> and it had the biggest opening weekend ever of a non-Chinese film. Wow. Oh, it's it's the reinvention, because obviously Daniel Craig has finished his roles, they're probably going to do something completely different if they do something more with Bond. When he started, um, he became, this was his first mission as 00 in yeah. this context, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. As well, we should mention. So he's got 00 status. He's now got license to kill. He's a secret agent. Um, first mission, obviously dealing with Mads Mikkelsen, um, who's a banker uh, to the world's terrorists, basically. Yeah. That's effectively what he is. That's the general plot line. Um, the, as you said, the poker game, they, they're harking back to the earlier Bond films in that scene with Matt Nicholson. You've got the intrigue of him with the bleeding eye thing, yeah. which I found a really distinctive, very memorable yeah, yeah, yeah. element of the film. I, really I mean, the, the, the producers, they reference um, Batman Begins a lot. They say, well, we want to do for James Bond what Batman Begins the, uh, the yeah. that film. by the way i think it's for the batman. Best batman film oh yeah brilliant yeah, yeah. brilliant yeah. yeah and that they were that, that was the kind of touchstone i think for this film is we wanted to kind of do that but with james bond it's and a kind of tell. origin story and yeah we want to be able to you know want to see him kind of earn his stripes yeah yeah and make and, mistakes on the way and, yeah. and again we've, we've warned you about plot spoilers um Vesper Lind, the um, the character played by Eva Green in this as well. You can He's tell the genuine... all of the all of the James Bond films afterwards as well. Exactly, which is interesting films, yeah. because it really pulls at the heartstrings. He's genuinely got a some serious feelings for her. I would yeah. say possibly more than any other Bond um, girl or Bond yeah. character. 
and she dies in the story uh, eventually, doesn't she? Um, he's in, in the, in the storyline. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's really upset, as yeah. is mentioned, and, and even in the most recent film, four films later, a very he's strong... still going after the people that did it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that is seen as his Achilles heel by Blofeld and the girl that he's with at the time. You know, yes, I still love the girl that's now dead. You know, there's all that going on. Yeah, it's it's really I think it's got so much that's interesting about it. Eva Green, I think, is is it Evergreen? Eva Green? Eva Green? Yeah, but she's she's great in it. Possibly up there amongst the best Bond girls. Yeah. A very different Bond girl to a lot of the ones yeah. that have gone before. She can hold her own. But, definitely. Oh, that sounds like a Bond innuendo as well. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, it was Um, a critical and commercial smash, and it deserved to be on every level. I could watch it over and over and over again. It's it's a proper, it's what a proper action blockbuster should be. Yeah, you've got got good characters that you like watching. You've got proper baddies. You've got genuine terror, and you've got proper cracking set pieces. You know, the bits on the the airport, the beginning sequence is just fantastic. Seeing him running up all the buildings, yeah. Hmm. And two things you've not mentioned now, but I think we've alluded to some of it before. The title sequence, um, which was, I think, pretty slick. It was a hard yeah. fact to the previous times, but it was a better version. I think having seen all the films again, I think it's a better version of what you're thinking you're remembering from the past. This is better yeah. than all of that stuff. It's really good title, title sequence. I wasn't completely endeared by the song. It's grown oh, on it's me. Chris Cornell. The, I'm a big yeah. fan of Chris Cornell's uh, Rest in yeah. Peace. But um, oh, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's all right. But it, yeah, it's not amazing. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not live and let die. You know. I can't remember it. I'm thinking about it. I can't remember how the tune goes now. And don't sing it. I'm not saying sing it. Just to clarify, I can sing but, the melody. You know what I, I mean? Can't remember, I can't You've remember got, the words. You know, so yeah, it hasn't. You mentioned my ear Louis Armstrong, much. Tom Jones, Shirley Bassey, even Nancy Sinatra, or whatever. You, you, Paul you, you've got. Paul McCartney, you, you can remember what, how the tune goes. It's not yeah. that memorable. It's not awful, but it's just... No, I think that's quite a bit of critic, yeah. But for all that, it still makes number two because it's got so much going for it. The title sequence, the revisionist air they decided to go down the, the pathway of works well. Yeah. The new Bond, I think, hit the ground running. There was, there was nods to the past. There was an earthiness to it, which we mentioned. There's loads of good sequences in it. It's gritty. And it's, as you said, it's got that element of Batman Begins. It's got that element of Born Identity for me. I like both of those. It's got everything you want. I think it's great. It's an absolute cracker. Yeah. Yeah. No more to say, really, Phil. I mean, I don't know about you. No, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's me done. So that brings us to our very different sounding from what you've alluded to, number ones. So I'm... I'm still sure I know what your number one's going to be, and this is going to be I think I know you. I, I reckon I your number one is a Sean Connery one. It is a Sean Connery one. What makes you say that? Is it because I haven't really covered Sean very much? I think you're going to go for Goldfinger. Do you now? Well, uh, do you expect me to talk? <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> um, it's interesting, that film, by the way, the sequence with the laser thing, whatever it's called, yeah. it's trying to, should, should we say, un-de-escalate. Uh, Lasers were a new thing, then. They were, yeah. they, you know... They, they, we play, they've always played around with the, the yeah. newfangled toys and gimmicks, and they? 
Um, I, for a while, I couldn't remember how he got out of that. I thought he had some clever way of getting out of it, but actually, he, he just talked his way out, out of it, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, okay, Phil, it's time to reveal my number one. It is Die Another Day. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's Moonraker. No, it's not that either. No, it is. It is Goldfinger. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. He's bum, the, bum, man, bum. the man. Well, yeah. <laughs> you said you were going to sing again. Sorry, mate. Um, no, um, that was a brilliant rendition, honestly. <clears throat> hmm, hmm, maybe not. Um, Goldfinger, yeah, I mean, I think this is the seminal Sean Connery. I think it sits in that place. It's the third Bond film. It sits in that place where it's just developed on nicely enough to, to have started to find its feet. It hasn't gone too far. And it hasn't gone into any other territory. It's beyond. not it's going off in the cartoony direction, but it didn't get to Roger Moore's. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's just sitting at that little peak, you could say. It's interchangeable with from Russia with Love in a lot of elements, I think. They are both cracking films in a similar way. Yeah. Um it's got first of all, it's got a sensationally good song. It's got a decent title sequence. I think one of the best, actually, I would yeah. say. It's got a, a one of the most iconic sequences in Bond, well, not sequences, iconic images in Bond history, albeit the, slightly nonsensical, which is the paint, the gold paint. Yeah, apparently gold. you can cover yourself in paint and you'd be fine. Um, oh, you, you would? Just, okay. Yeah. Um, yes, I know. The I whole thing, my, the whole thing about the, the, the few inches of skin on the back of your head to breathe is nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, but, that but it makes for a good it makes one for, for me now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't have it at number one. I, factual inaccuracies. I can't can't be dealing with it. Right. Well, I'm sorry. I have to charge. But, I mean, my, Sean uh, Connery was very much in his stride by here, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's again, as with all the Bond films of that era, there's some flaws in there, some directional errors, things that could have been slightly better done. However, it's got a number of iconic images in it. It's got one of the best villains. I won't say whether it's the best or not yet. Odd job. He was, again, he was, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Gert Frober's Goldfinger, who didn't speak a word of English, was completely overdubbed. I think he yeah. literally, yeah, he had to He's, kind again, of... Again, we, we talked about this cross-national cast. Yes. Here's a guy who's apparently English, and you think the guy looks German, he sounds German, Um and he, he, it's just baffling that he's supposedly an Englishman. Yeah. I, I actually forgot that when I watched it again recently. I forgot that I knew that he, he was didn't speak any English at all. Yeah, it's madness, complete madness. However, you could say he's got a Celtic look about him. Um, yeah. So maybe you know, yeah, you could argue it. It's got it's got elements in this which I really liked. I found him as a villain really intriguing because he yeah. was clearly genuinely sinister. Genuinely a cold-blooded um, menace of a character, but also there was something buffoonish about him. The scenes in the golf course, uh, which turned yeah. out to be his golf course, yeah, he, he's ambling about and he's being made a fool of by uh, by Bond, who's clocking what odd jobs doing, dropping yeah. an extra ball in on on the fairway or whatever it is. And there's something almost lampoonable about that that character yeah. within the story. And that makes him all the more terrifying for the fact that he has this power and this ability to paint girls to death and yes. to um, and to cause mass villainy around the world. Um, Odd job is definitely, I think, the best henchman. I think in pretty much every. James yeah, Bond we won't film. say best villain or not because we might talk about. No, that you, I mean, you, uh, as henchman, a henchman, 
For me, I think he is, isn't he? For yeah. me, nostalgically speaking, Jaws, but in reality, yeah. having watched them all back. The um, way that he, gr- he crushes the golf ball with his hand. It, there's yeah. a grinning look on his face. Yeah. This is what, you've got Sakata. this with Jaws as well, haven't you? The grins. The, the mm. silent, massive henchmen who just grin and never talk. That's yeah. a massive motif in Bond, isn't it? And the two, uh, obviously, mentioned Jaws and an odd job's the same. You've got the, um, you've even got the, um, the black guy whose name I don't think we ever get to hear in on Her Majesty's Secret Service that I saw today. I'd completely forgotten about him. He's got an incidental role in it, yeah. but he, he doesn't talk. They, they've got this real motif for that. And odd job's brilliant because he, nobody smiles like he does. That yeah. is the most sinister element. He was a wrestler or something, wasn't he? He must yeah. have been. Must have yeah. been, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember that. And, um, I mean, of course, he's got the iconic um, hat, which he takes off, and he, you can yeah. decapitate statues at golf courses. And after that, all that. Bond's henchmen had to have something special that they could, exactly. you know, exactly. yeah, jaws, bite, biting mm. people or whatever else, mm. yeah. Can you bite someone to death, by the way? I'm not convinced that that was actually... You can uh... if you're Jaws. There's also, there's a lot of, um, the colour gold is a real kind of symbol throughout the whole film. Even from, you've got his like license plate of his car. But the the colour gold comes up again and again as a kind of symbol all the way. Yeah, because you've got the the gold bullion, the whole Fort Knox thing. Um, yeah. there's, there's various elements. They, apparently they weren't to... allowed to, they weren't allowed to kind of go anywhere near Fort Knox for security reasons. They had to reconstruct the entire. So well, they, the, the they basically got to try, to, they got to, um, decide what they thought Fort Knox looked like inside and the production side fan, the production design is absolutely fantastic. That is in my head what Fort Knox looks like. And apparently the, those people that were there found it great. They loved it, you know. Yeah. It is, it is quite an epic scale to it for one of the earlier. I, mean, in the, well. I think, if I remember correctly, in the book, they steal the money from there, but I think they'd actually done their maths in the film and worked out that lugging off that much gold and carrying it away would take hours and hours and days and days, and you wouldn't get the chance to do that. So that's why they came yeah. up with this thing about irradiating it. Yeah. What I liked about this film, amongst other things, is the fact that you think the plot is going to be he's going to steal all the gold from Fort Knox audacious scheme how the hell is that going to work and then of course you find out that the plot actually is that he's not planning to do that at all he's planning to destroy, yeah. well he's planning to to contaminate all the gold with radiation by blowing up the facility which would therefore as i watched it i remembered oh yeah this is going to be a financial thing isn't it it's about stocks and shares yeah and, yeah and then the value of gold is going to go up for uncontaminated gold say for example those held by a certain Mr. Goldfinger. Yes. Or can we call him a hair goldfinger? Probably could. Um so yeah. it's, it's also the f- double plots going on. Yeah, and it's yeah. also the the first time I think that we had the Bond girl with the slightly dodgy name. Yes, indeed. Um although it, it should be said, having watched it back, I refresh my memory in recent days. Of course, it the pussy galore, one of the the most famous Bond girls ever, definitely the most distinctive Bond name for a Bond girl ever. Um, it must be said that actually Pussy Glory is, is clearly within the story, although it's not mentioned, a stage name, isn't it? Because she's yes. got Pussy Glory's, what's it called? Flying Circus or something. She, yeah. She's basically got a, um, what I, I assume it's not really covered in detail, but she, the backstory must be that it's a, a flying circus for 
you know, just uh, basically an air display kind of um, yeah. set up for hire. Uh, yet she as a pilot is commandeered by Goldfinger to do sinister stuff under his command. But Pussy Galore is clear. It's displayed in even the lettering on the, um, the hangar where the aircraft are suggests that that is a circus name. So yeah. that is a little bit of a get out, you could say. Yes. I Otherwise, think it's ridiculous. The producers were under, tr- <laughs> under, it was the name in the book. I think the producers were under a lot of kind of pressure to change it, but they didn't. I mean, um, <laughs> on so girl names, just very, very quickly, I think Pussy Galore is probably my favourite. If you've ever seen um, the Mike Myers uh Austin Powers films. Of course. They actually course. had they actually had a I can't remember was it Liz Hurley, I can't remember. <laughs> she had the um the the, the name of Alotta Vag- Vagina. <laughs> Which you can almost see them in. I mean um going through a list of Bond girl names um you have Holly Goodhead uh, Plenty O'Toole, oh, named after named after your father, perhaps. Uh, in the Man with the Golden Gun, we had Chew Me. Um, <laughs> Ursula Andrus, we've mentioned before, Honey Rider. Um, we had even he in does Quantum laugh Quantum in the story. Solace, there, that one. Agent Fields. <laughs> in Octopussy, <laughs> we had Penelope Smallbone. <laughs> in you only live twice we you know the, the incredibly racist one set in japan where sean connery <laughs> disguises himself as a japanese person by and incidentally uh, very so, little japanese-ness is going on in that film yeah. none of those actors are japanese by the way Kissy Mrs. Suzuki was the uh with the uh, there. <laughs> yeah um, um in, oh. in in um in uh dr no the honey rider thing he does yeah. laugh out loud doesn't he and she says what's so funny and, uh, you know so so there is there's a self-referential element to that isn't there in, yeah. in the earlier stages oh, on the top of course uh then you're on the top uh, is the other one yeah in goldeneye yeah but um yeah interesting stuff um i mean i, I just think this film is probably the most iconic bond film I think if you're thinking it, it, in a, it's the kind of, of the touchstone, moment, it, it's probably yeah. the most famous one. Um, yeah. And I think naming the kind of after the villain kind of gives he's the most famous villain, I think, probably. Yeah, I think so. If, you were, to, say, if you were put on the spot to name a Bond villain other than Blofeld, you, it would it would be uh, yeah. Auric Gold. If you're put on the spot with, with, with time is of the essence, yeah, there's a yeah. ticking time bomb. Another motif of Bond, of course. How many countdowns yeah. have we seen? Um, this would be what you would choose at short notice. Yeah, the countdown at the end of that Golfing uh, is quite funny because they wanted to have it stop on 007 or something. And then they, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they, but they actually stopped on, I can't remember. Um, there were Seven a few seconds, I think. Yeah, and and 18 seconds, 18 seconds. Yeah, they, they changed, they changed the, um, the number that it finished on. And so then Sean Connery sort of says, another three seconds, yeah. Uh, three, three seconds. I've suddenly gone Dutch, sorry. Um, and, and we'd have all blown up, but it was a completely different number on there because I think it stopped on double oh, okay. seven or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair Continuity error. Um, on the song, I, I think there's definitely a shout for that being the best song. Shirley Bassey's a brilliant singer. There's very few. Matcher, I think Matt Monroe can match her. Tom Jones arguably could as well, but it's a great song. The only thing with the song is the words don't match the character. 
He's yeah. not a slick womanizer, is he? <laughs> no. He's, he's a buffoon yeah. of sorts, but, but with a sinister, genuinely dangerous edge to him. But he's yeah. a buffoon. He's not. He's not your. You. Your you. You type. have to. Yeah. I mean, buffoons with the sinister danger to his edge are. They are scary. Yeah. True. We have one as True. our prime minister at the wanted to get political <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> um yes um and I, I yeah i just think that um it's got so much iconography around it that i just had to put it in there and it, yeah. I, I think for me connery for the earlier groundwork that was done whether or not he's the best bond of all time we'll debate that maybe in a minute but either way round. Um, for the iconography that's established for those early days, the fact that you said Ian Fleming said it, he fitted the bill. Yeah, uh, I think he had the athleticism, but he kept the, the, the when, and he had the he, menace, but he had the charm as well. Like when he when they were looking at people for, for James Bond, they kind of screen tested a number of people, yeah. producers. Yeah. This is um, Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, and they said that they watched the way that just uh, that um, Sean Connery just walked out after it. And he just walked out like he owned the place. And, he owned it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, just yeah. look at him. You know, he is James And Bond. he does inhabit the role, doesn't he? It? it does feel like he's really at ease in the role, which makes it feel like it's the character at ease with himself, which is what you want for yeah. a James Bond character. Yeah. And I think it's as good as any when it comes to, good, to Connery era Bonds. And for me, I think... It's a movie classic in every sense. So that's my number one. Now, Phil, let's see what your number one is. I'm going to, should I somehow so I send you this or something? Or do, shall I just wait to hear what you Go say and claim that I think I know what it is? I, no, you want me not, to tell you? I reckon it's something nuts. I reckon you've gone for something really crazy here. Would I be correct? In my own mind, no, but in your mind, yes. um no tell me what it is and i'll I'll get off yeah i'll go from there i have um two favorite john james bond films that i kind of love above all of the others and i've kind of merged them both into a number one and they are the timothy dalton ones I absolutely love them hold on no i haven't i have gone my number one (laughs) It's the living daylights, but on another day it could be licensed to kill because I think both of them are absolutely fantastic. They are the peak of the series for me, and I know I'm in the minority, and it's probably my age and the age that I saw them. But I think the living daylights is just absolutely brilliant in terms of it's got everything in it. But we'll get (laughs) into that. Do you know what I was thinking? I I thought you were going to go for Never Say Never Again because there's something you said earlier. Sounded a bit oddly ambiguous. That's what I was no, thinking. No, I, I, I haven't I seen quite, that film for so many years. I can't remember I what it's like. I do like to say never again. Yeah, um, I yeah. do like that film. Um, but yeah. The Living Daylights, are number one. I would never ever no. have guessed that. I made yeah. my kids watch this quite recently, and they thought it's it, it's just brilliant. Um, so, oh, anyway, what did they think? You said they it was they, they, they enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Okay, fair enough. Um, So anyway, The Living Daylights, James Bond is sent to investigate a KGB policy to kill all enemy spies and uncovers an arms deal that potentially has major global ramifications. So going back to the late 80s, View to a Kill, um, which had Roger Moore in it, it, his last film, was a financial and critical disappointment. um, And 
they were like looking at, I mean, he'd been on a one picture deal and they worked out by the time this, the next James Bond film came out, he would be 59. Um, getting on a bit, quite frankly. Um, mm. Indeed. They came very, very, very close to bringing in a new James Bond in the in the form of Sam Neill, the uh, Kiwi actor, who's mm. fantastic, and I think it would have been really, really good. Um, he came very close. Cubby Broccoli basically said, "No, I'm just not quite feeling that." Pierce Brosnan again came close. It's quite it, it's quite funny in that he was on contracted to Remington Steel, that got cancelled. He got offered James Bond and accepted. Remington yeah. Steel suddenly it created a huge buzz for Remington Steel, which then got another series, which and so he then got un, un uninvited from being James Bond, <laughs> which meant because because he was doing that and Cubby Broccoli didn't want a TV person doing it, uh, yeah. which meant that and then all the buzz disappeared from Remington Steel and it was cancelled after a couple of episodes, but he I mean he got there in the end. <laughs> And so there yeah. was, yeah, they was they were looking for who who was going to be kind of the next Bond. Um, so they went for Timothy Dalton. Um, he played Bond much more closer to the books as a kind of reluctant hero uh, with a lot ah. a lot less cocksure person. Um, he read all the books and he was very much more a man living on the edge. And I absolutely love his take on James Bond. I think he's incredibly underrated. Both films that he did. And I'm really gutted that we only got two of them. Um, Marianne Babo, uh, a former model, got the role uh, of playing the love interest after narrowly missing out on Fiona Fullerton's role in View to a Kill. Unfortunately, poor old uh, Walter Gotel, who had his eyelids burnt off in From Russia with Love and had appeared as General Gogo in so many films, um, he was ill and he wasn't in a position to commit to it. So um, the Pushkin character got... Um, replaced and they brought in um john reese davis better known as well he, john reese davis has a habit of turning up in all major franchises in some format or another he's gimli in lord of the rings and he's salah in indiana jones and he's great in this yeah. um so yeah i mean it got a mixed review mixed reviews at the time some people love it some's not too happy it was longer but i mean in terms of just globe trotting and stunts and edge seat excitement i think i think it's my favorite fit with my favorite of all of them it, it, i mean you've got art malik as cameron shah where he leads a kind of whole uprising in afghanistan you've got jerome crab as yorgi kostov who's a fake defector and you, you're not quite sure at the moment what's going on so i mean you've got the mountain chases you've got the fight hanging off the end of the plane where they've got a bomb that might go off at any time it's it's a brilliant i absolutely love it you, yeah, you I mean, haven't seen it in years, have you? No, I need no. to look at it again, don't I? I've, I've, I have to say I've written it off, not because I didn't like them. I did like the films, but I wasn't sure they were quite at that level. Maybe I, I need to review this. It um, might be that I was just the right age when it came out and I identified with it at some reason. It could be. I mean, well, but I, I, I just over. think in terms of taking you into that world and having hmm. a believable kind of spy world, I just yeah. think the both. I mean, License to Kill, I think, is almost equally brilliant. Some of the stuff in that is yeah. fantastic. The, um, the point you, the points you just made about the books, I think the fact you've mentioned they're closer to the books and this kind of reluctant hero element, and the fact that um, they just fit the part very well. We mentioned Piers Brosnan actually looks good as a Bond, 
yeah. fitted the role well. Timothy Dalton did as well. I would readily agree with you that he, he fits the bill. He looks right. He plays it right. Um, a lot of people say that he wasn't manly enough, but I just, I just thought, I think he nailed it. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. No, I don't know no. at all. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I haven't read the books, any of the books. I have to say. I mean, this, I this is have. based on a short story. So hmm. the short story, it's, it's, it's a very, very short story. And so they only take a little part of it. And you've got to remember, this is before the Berlin Wall came down. So it's about the defector and he's yes. trying to make a run for it at the opera. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the kind of globe trotting on this is great. I, th- yeah. I think, it, I think yeah. it's fantastic. I do think I need to see them again, both of his films. I do agree with you that it's a shame he didn't get longer because I thought so. At the in terms time. of henchmen in Licence to Kill, they had a debuting Benicio del Toro, who's almost unrecognisable when he's like oh, really? in his early oh, 20s. I've not remembered yeah, that yeah. at all. Actually, by the way, speaking of characters you wouldn't remember, I remember watching Goldeneye again going, God, bloody hell, Alan Cumming, he looks really young. Yeah. In Goldeneye, there's also mini bloody drivers in it, isn't she? Mini yeah, briefly, driver. yeah, playing a Russian dancer or something. She's playing she? Irina, who's the sort of like the, the Russian kind of mistress for Robbie Coltrane's character. And she's basically murdering a song in yeah. a karaoke bar, isn't she? She's only in it for a minute. And I went, bloody hell, that's mini driver. Mini driver. She was famous for about five years and has been in nothing for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross Point Blank's a great film, by the way. Anyway, I that's my love that film. That's such that, a good film. That's a film. Speaking of seen. Bond, there's a Bond connection, of course, as well. Live and Let Die. Do you remember the scene where um, he's chasing someone or being chased, uh, the John Cusack character? Yeah. And you've got the soundtrack playing Live and Let Die, and it yes. cuts him running into the shop, into the, the, the supermarket store for the garage. The shootout, yeah. And then they've got the Muzak version of the same song, Edited exactly yeah, yeah. into where they're. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. brilliant. It's so funny. What's Gross Point? One Blank? of my favourite yeah. moments. That's such a good film. So, anyway, on the anyway. sub- subject of music. Um, yes. Great, great music. I'm going to ask you a question in a minute about yeah, but the, this kill, one. Anyway, um, this was the final minute. film done by John Barry. Um, and he kind of brought in this kind of electronic rhythm tracks over, overdubbed by, a, by an orchestra, which was quite yeah. innovative at the time. You get yeah. that quite a lot now. Um, because. Aha had had a big hit with View to a Kill, which I think is all right. I quite like that. Um, knowing me, they, knowing you. <laughs> um, uh, no, sorry, Duran Duran had a hit with uh, um, View to a Kill. They brought in Aha. And Aha and John Barry, I think it's fair to say, absolutely bloody hated each other. They did not get on. <laughs> so <laughs> it basically results in that you've got two versions of the theme tune in the film. And you actually have a second theme tune called Where Is Everybody Gone, done by the presenters, which keeps yeah. appearing all the way through the film it's as well. It's got a catchy beat, hasn't it? Yeah. It's great. It's great yeah, but Aha were brought in because they were seen as more more, more kind of chart-friendly, as they were in 1989. And if you ask, if you ever see any interviews with John Barry on what he thought of them, he doesn't hold back. <laughs> did he have a go with the hairspray as well? Did he? Oh, no, he just said they were very difficult people to work with. I think they were actually going to try and get the singer Morton Harkett into kind of like a bit play a kind of career role in the film, but then they thought that might take you out of the world a little bit, so that didn't happen. Thankfully. Well, you mean like if you suddenly put Ed Sheeran in Game of Thrones, for example? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, guy, yeah. the hench, the henchman in this is, is he's a he's a kind of German dancer. I've forgotten his name, and he's great. He's the one that's going around flying, flying. Um, 
explosive milk bottles around. And he turned up yeah. a year or two later playing a similar role in Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. same guy. Yeah. Oh, that's just reminded me, by the way, just going back very briefly to Lotta Lenya, uh, of course, from Russia with Love. Um, she, great character as as Clip. She she was a famous cabaret star of what? She's Austrian was singer, was she? 50s. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, she's a huge name in her own right. And then she's only in that one Bond film. And she had that yeah. one trick with the, the spike the, in her shoe. Yeah. The, the, the um, retractable spike, well, not retractable, the opposite, uh, projectable spike. And um, she was only a bit of a one trick pony, apart from being a disciplinarian. And there was clearest, a clearly obvious kind of lesbian undertone to her yeah. behavior in the film. She was only in the one the one film, but yeah. she was quite iconic, wasn't she? And oh, definitely. There's a lot of, a lot of figures pop up in Bond films who are famous in their own right in a different yeah. way. Obviously, you have Grace Jones in one of the films with Roger Moore. You've got... Yeah, that, um, those two didn't get on either. Yeah, they I can really imagine. really didn't get on. There was an episode of Wogan or something like that. And I think Terry Wogan said to Roger Moore, um, and there's so many Roger Moore stories, um, said to Roger Moore, how did you get on working with Grace Jones? And um, he said, <laughs> my mother always told me, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. And they kind of said, no, but what, what, what do you really go? Oh, come on. What do you really, what, how did you get on with Grace Jones? <laughs> and he says, he said, oh, well, I'm not having any more of this. Grace Jones is a lovely bloke and we got on really well. And I'm, never, I'm not saying anything else about it. She's a terrifying woman. I have to say, I'm genuinely scared of her. I've got to say. But anyway, yeah. we're digressing a little bit here. So, so you, so I've got a goldfinger at one. You've got Living Daylights. Just to clarify, is your number one selection? On, one, one more Roger Moore. But it's story. interchangeable. It oh, please do. Or is it Roger Rusmal? Yeah. Well, it's not a story from him. Um, my wife is um, Franco-Swiss, and we holiday in Switzerland quite a lot. Her family has a holiday home in a village you in go Switzerland. You go skiing with Not skiing, but we quite parachute. often go in there summer. The same <laughs> village where her family possess a holiday home, uh, Crown Montanar, is the same village where Roger Moore lived the last 20, 25 years of his life. And it, so whenever you go to a pub or a restaurant in town, there's a picture of Roger Moore eating in there on the wall in every single place that you go. It's so <laughs> Alan Partridge. It's just wonderful. <laughs> Everywhere you go, another picture of Roger Moore. It's like being, it's like Alan Partridge's travel cabin bedroom or whatever it is. There's a picture of him everywhere. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's like me living up in London. There's so many pictures on walls of chippies and cafes and barber shops. Uh, there's a place just near me that claims that Frank Bruno got his hair cut there in Edmonton yeah. Green. I'm not sure that's quite true, but, you know, just um, all sorts. So there's pop up everywhere. But that idea of him being in every, it's, it's almost like the um, the king of Thailand, everywhere yeah. in Thailand. That is a thing. Yeah. His picture. But this, Roger Moore in Switzerland, <laughs> everywhere. Oh, the no. king of Switzerland. I don't yeah. think he spoke a word. Of, it, it's on the fr French part of uh, Switzerland, just before you get to the German part. I don't think yeah. he spoke very much French. I don't think he needed to. <laughs> My right, wife's well, actually been in restaurants when he's been at the next table on a couple of occasions. Hmm. Phil, I'm just going to throw in my top 10 for a moment. Yeah, I've got um, mine in front of me. Just give you the wider picture. So I, I had, you'll be pleased to know, Licence to Kill was in the top 10, at number 10, though. Great film. Um, it's a great, great film. I really enjoyed Live and Let Die. I know it's not a great film, but I, it's enjoyable. I had that at nine. I had Golden Eye at eight, No Time to Die 
pending further revisionism, I've got at number seven, and I've already mentioned from from Russia with Love at six. And then, as you already know, my top five are The Spy You Love Me at five, Skyfall at four, Honor Majesty Secret Service at three, Casino Royale, Daniel Craig version at number two, and Gurlfinger at number one. And you have, you've got a top ten of you, just for further. I have. Um, okay, go for it. For number ten, I've gone for The Spy You Love Me. Yeah. Uh, for number nine, I went for No Time to Die. Yeah. Quite similar to yourself. For number eight, I went for Goldfinger. Number seven, Octopussy. I just love that film. <laughs> By far the yeah. most racist James Bond film. Um, some of the dialogue in it is horrific. You know, when he gives the Indian guy some money. That'll keep you in curry for a few weeks. I mean, it's oh, terrible shock. on so it's many shock. levels. But And yet... It's something about it that I find genuinely endearing. Uh, and then at number six, I had, well, I kind of had Goldeneye at six um, because, and then we had the top five where I kind of had License to Kill and Living Daylights at one and two. So there we go. But you put Golden, so you put Goldeneye at five in your official. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to share the love for Timothy Dalton. I thought I can't put two Timothy Dalton films in the top five. Yeah, so, so your official five is Gold, Gold Knight at five, Your Eyes Only at four, Russia with Love three, Casino Royale two, Daniel yeah. Craig version, and Living Daylights yes. at number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. So there we go. Should we so uh, pause right. for a second and get another beer and come back and do a few? Other yes, a final break. And when we come back, we shall listen to some other people's choices for top five or just discuss... top films in general. Where the franchise goes next. Indeed, yes. The franchise will be back with dot, dot, dot. Don't forget to read the episode notes, everybody. We always have that in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. After one comfort break, we shall be back for our final sequence. Back in a moment. And so we come to the epilogue of this saga. I think this epilogue film. might go for quite a while. And we apologise for the length of this podcast. We know yeah. it's going to be a bit, a long one to get through. But we hope it's informative and that you enjoyed it anyway. Indeed, indeed, indeed. We've had loads of correspondence. This has really captured the imagination of our listenership and beyond. Uh, we've got loads here, really. Um, we've asked people um, for their top five bonds, their top five actors, in a Bond role, uh, top five songs and villains as well. And okay. some people have volunteered their top five Bond girls of their own volition. I have hastened Perverts, to add. That's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> We're disgusted with you. We don't approve of that sort of thing. Um, however, we may come up with our own top fives. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to quote a few of them then, throw it to you, Phil, afterwards, and then come back with a few of mine. And we can add in some other tidbits of information if we want to along the way. So here we go. Here's a few of them. So Nick Ansley in Greater Manchester says films, Skyfall at number one, Casino Royale at number two. He's clearly a Daniel Craig fan. Um, I don't know if you've seen the latest because that's not on his list, yeah. but he's got number three. He's got Goldfinger, four, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and at number five, Living Daylights. All films that, that we've discussed. That's, yes, that's indeed. Good. His actors in order are Daniel Craig at number one, Sean Connery at number two. This is a popular thing, by the way, these two yeah. being in the top two. Lazenby at number three. Shocking. Shocking. Uh, Timothy Dalton at number four and Roger Moore at number five. 
songs he's gone goldfinger at number one diamonds are forever that is a good song uh, yeah. number two living daylights is a good song as well number three view to a kill number four and the, well he's put the theme from on her majesty's secret service i assume he means the louis armstrong song yeah, it must do, yeah. to be a song at number five and villains he's gone for the classic blowfells for number one goldfinger number two iconic i expect you to die he says odd job at number three jaws at number four and number three, the woman with the dagger in her shoe. Rosa Klebb. From Russia from Love, of course, is Rosa Klebb um, at number five. So I've also heard from Natalia, who has said her number one is Skyfall. Number two. Uh, oh, no, sorry. She's just gone for Skyfall as her Bond's favourite. Yeah. Um, she says her, her actor favourite is Joint, Daniel Craig and Sean Connery. Yeah. Favourite villain is Javier Bardem. And her favourite songs, No Time to Die, closely followed by Skyfall, interestingly. So Billie Eilish, of course, for No Time to Die. Yeah, that's good. And I quite like Skyfall it. is um, by Adele, isn't it? Yeah, I can't. Who we've not yeah. mentioned somewhere. Yeah. Spencer, Spencer Vignes, a sports journalist, a friend of mine as well, says he's just gone for his favourite Bond film. He says The Spy Who Loved Me, followed by Skyfall. Roger Moore, followed by Sean Connery as his favourite Bond. Roger Moore, uh, first number one. Yes, indeed. His villain is Jaws. Uh, you can see there's a theme going on yeah. here. The Spy Who Loved Me. Do you, can you guess what his first film at the cinema was? <laughs> I think I can. Spy Who Loved Me. And, yeah. And nobody does it better as his favourite song, just to compound the theory. He then goes on to say, I once heard someone say that your favourite Bond film will be the one you first watched at the cinema. And I thought, well, yeah, mine that's was right. number four. Spy Who Loved yeah. Me. Isha Rodian, 1977, aged 80, says. Yeah, yeah. And Andy Black, who's also a mate of mine, says, film's tricky because I tend to navigate to the later ones, Casino Royale, Spectre, etc. But A View to a Kill and Live and Let Die certainly in there as well. Interesting. A View to a Kill. Yeah. Yeah, it's not well liked, is it? Anyway, he, he says, Andy says, songs, obviously Live and Let Die, and the man with the golden gun, which we've not mentioned at all today, actually. He has um, a powerful weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we even start with a lyric like that? How, how can Dracula not be the top villain? You know, that's, that's pretty sinister. Mm. Anyway, villains, he says Jaws, uh, Max Zorin. I like him. Yeah, no idea why. Just, just thought he was a good one. Christopher Walken. I mean, Christopher Walken is brilliant in everything. Yeah, true. The way true. he's on his airship. And he throws a guy out the window because he doesn't want to do what he says. Yes, and then says that's right. right. Any of the rest of you want to? Any of the rest of you want to drop out? <laughs> <laughs> well, Draco in Spy Love Me is pretty bloody brutal. He kills his secretary mm. on suspicion. He 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 makes it up as definite yeah. definite fact so that she's sold information. And then the two doctors who have helped him out with their brilliant science scientist activities are then blown up in a helicopter for reward for their good work you know it's not very motivational future yeah. villain collaborators is it anyway sorry i've digressed so we were talking about andy black he, he said villains george maxwell zorin um he also says goldfinger and baron samedi scary and baron samedi from living that samedi yes and bond girls i'd steer away from the obvious oh okay pussy galore <laughs> he says yeah, push uh, it. Push. i can tell I'm, uh, i've been drinking more now <laughs> uh, Vesper Lind, uh, Xenia Odotop, um, Bambi, 
Yeah, the, yeah they're, they're Thumper and Bambi from Dying and Bambi, Forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he, he also says, my dad really liked Ursula Andress. Andress. <laughs> yes, indeed, yes. Um, by the way, that's another theme that goes on in Bond. The, the, there's the song is heard in um, diegetic radio form before it's heard again later in the story. So, in in so, Octopussy, the, the guy, the, one of the guys that kind of make contact with Bond when he gets to India, he like, plays on the flute. Yes, that's it. Yeah, it's right. a little bit meta. And then you've got, yeah. underneath the mango tree, is being played somewhere in Jamaica before the mm-hmm. scene in which she comes out of the water looking for shells, yeah. singing the same song. And there's also... Um, no, sorry, it's played. Yeah, it's played on a record in his hotel. He yeah, plays it, it is. Yeah, on, on a record player in someone else's hotel room that he's in, investigating. Yeah. And in um, the next film from Russia with Love, the song is played on a on a canoe that's being rowed past yeah. where Bond is now kissing the girl he met, the first Bond girl, Sylvia Trench, who so, yeah. basically is just a girlfriend. He's Nothing his girlfriend in the first two films when he's basically yeah, yeah. not on tour. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And she doesn't come to a sticky end. By the way, being a Bond girl is not a very safe way to be, I have no. to say. Sylvia Trench survives okay, though. Yeah. Um, who? What happened to Sylvia? We need to know. Anyway, um, I've digressed. One more from me before I pass over to you, Franny. You've got, Phil, I've got some more later, yeah. by the way. Richard Tipple says, uh, Richard Tipple from Brighton says, I'm... Number one, No Time to Die. It's gone straight in at number one. Bloody loved it, he says. Number two, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number three, Skyfall. Number four, Doctor No. And number five, From Russia with Love. A lot of the same films coming up. Lots of love for Skyfall. Yeah, yeah. And on, on his actors, he's gone Daniel Craig at one, Connolly at number two, brackets controversial. I presume he thinks that everyone's going to say number one. Brosnan at three, Moore at four, Dalton at five. Villains. He's gone Blofeld in You've Only Lived Twice. He specified that. Um, Red Grant at number two. Uh, Goldfinger. I'm just reading it as he's <laughs> typed it. And number three, Jaws at four. And Blofeld from On Her Majesty's Secret Service at number five. Songs. He's gone Diamonds Are Forever at number one. It is a really good song. Yeah. You Only Live Twice at number two. Nobody Does It Better at three. Carly Simon, of course. Number four is Goldfinger. And number five is A View to a Kill. He also finally says, You Only Live Twice doesn't get into my top five despite several great villains, a great song, and a brilliant uh, band, a brilliant bond. Incredible racism. Uh, Yes, yes. He says, Harsher, but I think From Russia with Love just edges it because he had had that at number five. So, uh, Yes, um, unfortunately, you only live twice, just missing out. But there is some incredible racism, is it? It has to be said, yeah. <laughs> it's right. Sean Connery being disguised as a Japanese person, yeah. That's just tragic, you isn't it? You couldn't do it's that tragic. in a film now, could you? <laughs> no, and you shouldn't have done then, to be honest, but there we go. Mm. Um, Phil, have you got any correspondence? I've got out? one of my best mates, the legend, the sheep whisperer himself, Mr Mark Smith. Uh, <laughs> the sheep he, whisperer? He, there I are. Hopefully he's <laughs> listening to this. Um, yeah, and a fantastic goalkeeper and Star Wars and football know it all. He has gone for Thunderball at number five, 
Honor Majesty's Secret Service at number four, Casino Royale at number three. I can see you nodding along. You're not going to nod for the next ones. Number two, he's gone for Moonraker at number one. No, 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 no. Legend. (laughs) See, everybody says Skyfall, but they mean Octopussy. (laughs) It's code, isn't it? It's code. Oh, blimey. Right. Well, there's Cardiff Joe Powell, uh, somebody I know, in case yeah. you're wondering why I'm calling him that. Um, he's gone for Casino Royale at number one, Live and Let Die at two, Spectre at three, No Time to Die at four, and Moonraker at five. He's got Craig at one, Moore at two, Connery three, Brosnan four, and Dalton five. Songs, he's gone Goldfinger at one, Diamonds are Forever at two, Live and Let Die at three, um, Another Way to Die at four, and Skyfall at five. And he's got his villains, Jaws, at number one. Love it. Blofeld yeah, at two. Doctor No. Yeah, exactly. Doctor No at number three. Um, Safian at number four. And Le Chiffre at number five. Um, and do you know who I've got next on my list, Phil? It's someone we both know. He's from Hong Kong. He's Gareth Fong. Garfie. Garfie. Oh, hello to you, sir. He's got at number one, The Spy You Love Me. He says, it has everything. The girl, Barbara Back, the gadgets, Underwater Lotus. That's that shot, the, show, the Lotus that shot rockets, yeah. Um, great baddie who live. I can't believe we've not said the word baddie in the whole of this episode. Yeah, anyway, I'm sure Garth has done it for us. We've uh, got great to be almost three hours in by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably now. Great baddie who lived in a tripod in the middle of the sea. And it's got a great song, he says. Um, and he has gone for his... Um, what's this? Uh, I think I'm reading something else here. He's got... Mm, interesting. That looks like somebody else's stuff. And I okay. haven't noted who it is. Right, okay. Someone else, anyway, has gone for... Um, Right into our Facebook page if you know who we are, who we are. <laughs> we all we all both have Twitter accounts now. We, have, we all yeah. both have Twitter. His his and hers Twitter accounts now. Film yeah, Fives One and Film Fives Pod, I think. So follow us on Twitter. I'm going to start putting more nonsense out about the rubbish that I watch on TV. And uh, so come <laughs> argue with me. Ah, I've just I've just read back through Garthy's thing. I've just realised Spy You Love Me. He wrote he wrote a load of stuff, and I've actually just read all of that and thought I'd read more than I had. Spy You Love Me is at number one. He's got Casino Royale at number two. Solid. I'm assuming he means yeah. the one we we mean. Yeah. Number three, Skyfall. Number four, Goldeneye. Number five, Doctor No. Only because everyone says it's the best. Not seen it yet. No. What no, the hell? No, you can't pick a film Dr. you haven't no, too, seen. No, we haven't, no. Strangely, yeah, there's a few raw elements. Some good choices there, though, Garfi. Yeah, very good. Actors. He's gone Pierce Brosnan at number one, Roger Moore at two, Daniel Craig at three, Sean Connery at number four, just not my era, he says, and Timothy Dalton at five. Villains, he's only got three on his list. He's got Jaws at one, Blofeld at two, and to quote, the Asian dwarf with bowler hat. I'm not sure he's a dwarf, is he? That's... From the uh, man with the golden gun, it's um, oh, Nick him, Mack. The, the fantasy island guy. Yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. I was thinking odd job. I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. now it makes sense. Yeah, he's he's very good actually. He's quite menacing. Yeah. 
got a dimple chin as well, a bit like George Lazenby. Uh, and he songs, is he is a a shriveled version, smaller version of Kevin Keegan, definitely. <laughs> I'm never ever going to get that image out of my head now. Right. So and Gareth finally has gone with songs. View to a Kill at one, for your eyes only at two, Skyfall at three, nobody does it better at four, Diamonds are Forever at number five. We've got Raymond the Gent has got Hello just, Raymond. Said, Hello Raymond. You've got the actor, Sean Connery, villain, Goldfinger. That's all he wanted to say. Um John Orchard, friend of both of us. Hello, ours. John. John has gone. He he is a real he's a real bond. Bondite, shall we yeah. call him? Uh, he, he's a we, real We should have got somebody else on for this, but it's already going to be over three hours. And if we got and anybody ex- else on, it would exactly, have gone on half the bloody night. That's exactly frankly. why we, we didn't do it. We would have yeah. had to make it episodic. John, who's a real stickler for 60s stuff, for British stuff, for Bond stuff, for gadgetry, for all of those things, he's right in it. He's a massive fan of Bond and he's gone for. Number one from Russia with love. Number two, Goldfinger. Number three, Doctor No. Can you guess what his favourite actor is going to be? I think I can. Yeah. Number four, on a Majesty's Secret Service at four. Uh, book is better though, he says. And yeah, number five, I'll go with that. yeah, he's gone with Casino Royale, the Craig one, not Niven. He says. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just Niven, is it? But anyway. No. Um, and actors, he's gone with Sean Connery at one. Daniel Craig at two, Roger Moore three, Timothy Dalton four, George Lazenby five. He's also added in Bond Girls, glaring omission, because I sent him a message asking him and I hadn't included Bond Girls. He's gone for Daniela Bianchi at number one. Yeah, I think she's a man of taste. Diana Rigg at number two, Ursula Andress at three, Jane Seymour, number four, and Eva Green at Solitaire. And Eva Green at five, and his songs are. We have all the time in the world at one. You only uh, yeah, live beautiful. twice. At number two, you only live twice. Number three, live and let die. Number four, nobody does it better. And number five, Goldfinger. And his villains are same as Nick, he thinks. Blofeld at one, Goldfinger at two, Oddjob at three, Rosa Kleb at four, Jaws at five. I'm only surprised, being as he loves Cold War stuff, that he hasn't gone for Rosa Kleb at number one. But yes, <laughs> some good choices there from John. Anything else your end, Phil? I've got a few more to go through. If you've no, no, you keep going. Apologies away. for those listening to us reading out a load of lists. We'll be getting on to other stuff soon. Yes. Uh, but, and I'm hoping everybody wrote in, got to hear themselves. Absolutely. Get, get, get a good mention. Another of whom is Josh in the States. He said, oh, simply this, he's just said, anyone not naming Ada de Armas as a top five Bond girl needs disqualifying immediately. In the new one, yeah. <laughs> yeah She's no brilliant. She's wearing a dress. So I'm not sure wearing is the right word, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, pretty spectacular dress. She's great. She's the girl who he rendezvous with. And, she kicks and ass. start machine gunning a load of people. Yeah, yeah. About two, a third of the way through. Great stuff. Ollie in London says, I quite like Casino Royale. And Craig is my favourite Bond. Best villain is Jaws. He says it as a statement, not as an opinion. Jaws is best. Marcus Chipman in Brighton films Casino Royale, then Skyfall, then Spectre, and Die Another Day. Oh, dear. interesting. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. And then Goldeneye at number five. Actors Craig, then Moore, then Brosnan, then Dalton, then Connery. That's got to be controversial, hasn't it? Die Another Day and That's Connery at number up, five. It? It's got to be. I know you, Marcus. 
you're you're a tricky character. His baddies, another use of the word baddies for yeah. very thumbs up there. Blofeld, Goldfinger, Scaramanga, uh, Baron Smedy, and um, Odd Job. Songs. Somebody got... has got uh, on his list at some time has got to say instead of Scaramanga, they've got to say Triple Dipple. They have to. <laughs> I'm not sure they will, but I can check. <laughs> Marcus's songs are Skyfall, then Live and Let Die, then Goldfinger, then Diamonds Are Forever, then License to Kill. Addy, also in London, in North London, has Skyfall, You Only Live Twice, Thunderball, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and Doctor No. Shame it's not six, because Live and Let Die is fantastic, he says. Bonds in this order are Connery, Craig, Dalton, Lazenby, more Niven and Brosnan. He's gone for a seven. Interesting. Yeah. Um, right. Who's this? There's another More one. Of a here. general list of everybody that's played Bond. Yeah. Villains. He, he said villains. I'm only terrified of one. Ernst Blofeld. Scaramanga and Raul Silver uh, comes a close joint second. Songs. Oh my word, he says. While Shirley Bassey, um, girl wrestles for the Grammy with Shirley Manson over who was the first Shirley. They lose it to Madonna's clammy hand, who has it snatched by Adele, who then drops it after a Jonah Lomu-esque body bar. Shirley Manson's the singer of garbage, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, who drops it to a, show, uh, to a Jonah Lomu body barge from Madonna, who thinks that the last girl left standing has it cruelly snatched from her tartan digits by Alicia Keys and Jack Black, who promptly... And no thought has got into this. ...by a Trump... By a trumpet case belonging to the one and only dot dot dot, and now I've lost my place, and I can't see what he said afterwards. Maybe <laughs> oh that was dear! It. On I've the sub, I mean, nobody's kind of said which blow felt they like. I mean, who who? Yeah. I think Donald Pleasance is my blow felt. I think my favourite blow felt is the one in um, in Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see him. You don't see no. him. That's what I'm saying. I, I, no, I, I don't know. Donald Pleasance, probably. He's menacing. I, I, he, I was, he's a genuinely got, disturbing looking yeah, guy. Yeah, I've got to admit, I was a little disappointed in Christoph Waltz. I love Christoph Waltz in absolutely everything that he's in. I know and when do, he got cast and you know that he knew that he was going to be Blofeld, I thought this is going to be great. And he was good, but he wasn't as good as I was hoping he was going to be. No, no. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Simon in Peacehaven says, Christ, I'm terrible at remembering things like this. Goldeneye, but more because of the N64 game, which was iconic to me. Brosnan because of the above. Skyfall is the only song I can think of. Alec Trevelyan because of Goldeneye, he says. I mentioned my cousin earlier, John Clifford. He's written in. He says, right, here you go. Surprisingly difficult to pick only five for the songs. I've added top five Bond girls as well. It wouldn't be a proper Bond list without that. So here we go. He's gone for films. Spy Love Me at number one. Another one at number one. No time, to, no time to Die at number two. Interesting. Casino Royal at three. Again, we're assuming it's the Craig version. Moonriker at four. And Goldfinger at five. His songs, he's got, we've had all the time in the world. I think we've covered, one. Pretty, in all of these lists, we've covered almost every single Bond film. That's I think we have now. Yeah, yeah. Well, John, John's got songs. Apart from a couple of the Brosnan ones, I think they've all been mentioned. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think we have. Well, songs he's gone, we have all the time in the world. Uh, number one, From Russia with Love at two, Nobody Does It Better at three, You Only Live Twice at four, Moonraker at five, 
Bonds, he's gone for Roger Moore, his first one. Again, he's our generation, Phil. Yeah. Uh, number two, he's gone Daniel Craig. Number three, Connery. Four, Lazenby. Number five, Niven. Whew, controversial. Villains. He's got, you know, number one is from his era, Jaws. Number two, Auric Goldfinger. Number three, Raul Silver from Skyfall. Number four, Emilio Largo from Thunderball. Yeah, number five, Rosa Klebb. Thunderful, Thunderball and Never Say Never Again, which yeah. is a remake. Yeah, absolutely. And Bond Girls, Anya Amasova, Spy You Love Me at number one. He's got he's got all the details on this one. Andrea Andes, oh, he's got Ursula Andrews. And Ursula from, Andrews, yeah. Is it from Octopussy, The Man with the Golden Gun, and Octopussy, he says. Tatiana Romanova. Oh, Miles Maud Adams that was in both of those films. Oh, maybe that, that's who he means then, yeah. Yeah. Number three, Tatiana Romanova from, from Russian Daniel Lovers. Bianchi, yeah, yeah. Bianchi, yeah. Uh, Mary Goodnight from The Man with the Golden Gun at number four. Britt Eklund. Yes, another I ridiculous I do like a bit name. of Britt Eklund. And Naomi from The Spy You Love Me at number five. Um, Rob Barron in Luton says, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Connery, of course, Blofeld and Diamonds Are Forever as a song. That's succinct. I like it, Rob. Robin in the northeast of England has come up with Skyfall at five, Goldeneye at four. He's counting them down. I like this. Yeah. From Russia with Love at three, Doctor No at two. And he's sharing number one with me, Goldfinger, his villain. Number five. Number five, Scaramanga. Number four, Goldfinger. Number three, Odd Job. Number two, Jaws. Number one, Max Sodin, mainly for the casting. Interesting. Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah. I love Christopher Walken. And his actors, Brosnan at five, Dalton at four, Craig at three, Moore at two, Connery at one. Quite a classic selection there, you could say. Um, Sarah Allenson in the northwest of England, in Lancaster, a friend of mine. Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's best, in my opinion. I share that view, Sarah, as, as his best. Um, he's got, she's got that at number one. Goldeneye at number two. Excellent smutter, smutty innuendo. Sean Bean doing his posh accent, as sometimes also used in Snowpiercer, and of course for inspiring the video game. She says, yeah. uh, "Number th- number three, Goldfinger, Pete Connery. Number four, Moonraker for the sheer daftness." And number five, Skyfall, because someone has to like it, she says. Um, and that okay. well, she does actually, she does say that's not in any particular order, in fact. Okay. Um, James Smith, also in Lancaster, who may or may not possibly be her other half, says, um, doesn't think there's many great films in, in the Bonds of, but he does think from Russia with Love, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, that's it, he says. He then goes on to say, I quite like Quantum of Solace. But that's not a popular view. I think that's no, safe to say. I watched James. that again. No. Not great. James, come on. I tried really yourself. hard to get into Quantum of Solace. It's like, I should like this. It's Daniel Craig, James Bond film. It's got <laughs> all the ingredients. Well, but it's just final, not happening. It's not, it's not, is it? It's not it really, isn't Okay, final communication from our listeners. And thank you for all of you thank for you. writing yes. it. Uh, it's been appreciated. Our final one comes from Southwest London. It's from Tony Brown. He says, not an easy task, but here goes. Films, Goldfinger, but honourable mentions, Skyfall, Thunderball and Spectre. So he's just picked his favourite. So he's gone for Goldfinger. Actors, he said Connery, just ahead of Daniel Craig. Reason being, Connery is what I think Ian Fleming had in mind as his creation. And Craig has, in my opinion, breathed new life into the franchise. So he's alluding to what you've actually already confirmed to be the case. 
that Fleming likes Connery's incarnation. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, villains, he likes Scaramanga, Christopher Lee, just ahead of Goldfinger, Gert Fruber. Is that right, Gert Fruber? I think that's right. Yeah, yes, Goldfinger, like yeah. yeah. Um, songs, tough one, this. The Goldfinger, just ahead of Diamonds Are Forever by Shirley Bassey. And an honourable mention to Adele Skyfall. Hope this helps, but probably more confuses the situation, he says. Well, I don't think there's any more confusing than there already there's is. A, there's basically, yeah. I, I, I quite like the fact that there's quite a lot of disparate opinions on this. I think if everybody liked all the same ones, it would be boring. I love the fact that I think it's kind of a lot of it's age dependent. I think. Yeah. It's a I generation. Think it is. Nostalgia thing. plays a huge part in this, doesn't yeah. it? You can tell the Roger Moore generation in particular st- stands out in this particular field, doesn't it? Um, it's interesting. I'm not surprised it's disparate at all. No. Uh, nobody can decide on anything definitively here, can they? Yeah. Um, however, um, there are a lot of films that came up again and again and again. I think if I had yeah. to pick the films that were, were mentioned the most, it would be Casino Royale, Skyfall and Goldfinger. Yeah. And, and I think you, those are probably you, the three most iconic films. And my only last question to you on Bond is, if you had to take five to a desert island, would it be the same five that you've picked as your top five? Or would you, do you think others have more staying power over a longer period? Now, see, I, I, I pick the films that I would like to watch over and over and over again. Yes. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Okay, Phil, that covers all the correspondence. Um, have you got, we've talked about other people's favorite other top fives. Have you got a top five for any of those other subjects? And if so, what are they? I, I really couldn't say who my favourite Bond is. I think the Timothy Dalton films are my favourites. I think Daniel Craig and Sean Connery are both probably the the, the best Bond representations on screen. That. But I mm. really love the Roger Moore films for sheer entertainment value. I couldn't yeah. choose between the four of them, quite frankly. Yeah, for me, I think Craig and Connery are joint best. After that, in terms of just, just purism, I would say Timothy Dalton's actually probably very good. Would have liked to see more to, yeah, to make no, a more informed opinion. Roger Moore, for nostalgia and my, my era and everything else, would come into it. So I've probably got the same four. But yeah. I, I'm Craig I like Pierce Brosnan, but he wasn't as good as the other four. No, that's right. Unfortunately, I think a lot of that might be the fact that his first film was great, and the three after that hmm. were sort of decreasing returns. Absolutely. I think he was yeah. he was lumbered a bit with with a couple of yeah. not ropey scripts, but not as good films. And some of the casting in some of his films, I mean, like you know, Denise Richards as Doctor Christmas Jones, a nuclear scientist in hot pants, just that just does nobody any favors whatsoever. No. <laughs> um, Bond girls, I, I really don't know. There's so many Bond girls involved. There's, no one's mentioned those... uh, Kim Bassinger and Never Say Never Again. I think she's great. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, Danielle Bianchi, I think it's always going to be number one. I, I like Barbara Bach for me. as well in Fiora's yeah, Barbara I think she, she's very good foil for him as a sort of Soviet agent who's kind of all, kind of his equal. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, no one's mentioned, is it Paula who's. James Bond's assistant in Thunderball, is it? Um, who's killed by the henchman quite yeah. early on. She's she's playing an assistant. She's so she's a yeah. British agent. Um, she's she's pretty nice. 
Um, there's various others. I mean, it's too many to mention, to be honest. But Daniel, Daniel Bianchi. Eva Green, uh, I think, is another one I like. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's great as well. Yeah, yeah, plenty, plenty there, and uh, Pussy Galore as well. There, we have to mention the questionability of the yes. the enforced kiss scenes, followed by apparent willing submission. It's not great, is it? Yes. It's, it's very uncomfortable no. viewing nowadays. We have to reference that because yeah. it wouldn't be fair not to. And Pussy Galore's um, character actually is subject to that in particular. She's a villain's assistant. She's a pilot for Goldfinger. And she's effectively forced into a kissing scene. There's a, there's a wrestling scene where she gets the better of him. So yes. that makes it okay. But then eventually she goes, oh, you know, okay. And then she's apparently switched sides off the back of that. Yeah. Not great, is it? Not great. Um, villains, I don't know. Jaws is my nostalgic favourite. I think my overall favourite, the problem with it being that he's only in one film, is Odd Job. I, I just love the menace of the guy. That yeah. grin is something else. He's genuinely just, you know, someone Another who Another one no, nobody mentioned, um, Robert Davey in Licence to Kill. He's horrible. He just seems like a proper gangster that would do anything to anyone. Yeah, yeah. That's the flaw, by the way. You mentioned gangsters. That's the big flaw in Goldfinger. The one thing that made me arm and earth for a while was the fact that you've got all of those um, Italian-American gangsters gathered together in his, uh, you know, his British um, yeah. hideout in Kent. And the, the dialogue is really hammy and terrible and cliched and clearly dubbed as well, but it's awful. And there doesn't seem to be much point to the fact they've gathered them together because he, he kills some all the people that don't seem to be complying and he kills the person that is complying. It just seems very odd. Yeah. And taking them to the knacker's yard to crush the car with him inside and then retrieve the gold. It's all a bit odd, isn't it, that? Very odd. But villain's odd job for me. Um, Jaws second. And on nostalgia terms, he'd be top. Songs... I'm a, I'm a classicist when it comes to this. I love Goldfinger. I love From Russia With Love. Uh, I think they're great. I think, I think Thunderbolt All the Time in the World is probably my favourite. It's, it's great, live, great. Live, live and well. Let Die, I do enjoy. Uh, but yeah. that might be because I play it in my band almost every weekend. <laughs> so. And the new stuff's good. I, 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 Skyfall is very catchy. Yeah. And Billie Eilish's song for No Time to Die. Yeah, it's great. I, I like that. It's very good. She's yeah. a talent. She's a really good singer. Yeah. Um, whatever you like, taste-wise, you know, her in this role for this song, really good, really good. So, Phil, what are we doing next? I'm, I've got a hankering to do something music-based, in fact, and I'm thinking... Can we do um, a quick five... I know, thank you for staying with us for over three hours. Quick five minutes on who do we think the next Bond will be? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, before we round off... Well, you've just thrown something in, which I've not read about. I haven't been reading much about Bond in yeah. general recently, but you mentioned earlier Henry Cavill. I think that's that's a good shout. Yeah. Um, it depends I, if he stands I, up, to the, to the you know, if he can carry it off, but he looks the part. My shortlist, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've listed half a dozen who I think would be great. Um, I think Tom Hardy would be good, but I think he's getting on a bit. Um, yeah. In terms of age, when you look at Daniel Craig, five films, you're imagining the next one. They want you want you want ten to fifteen. He's going to be too old by uh, film three, I think, isn't he? I mean, I think Tom Hardy would be fantastic. Um, I think Tom Hiddleston would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, if you don't believe me, watch the Night Manager. 
and then yeah. you say, why is he yes, not exactly. James Bond already? And that's what spurred some speculation, hasn't it? Actually, yeah. that program, which is a good series. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, Henry Cavill, we mentioned. Um, mm. I think that would be interesting. Um, another sort some less well known, well, not less well known, but some ones that are getting less attention. I think Clive Standen um, would be great if you haven't seen him in Vikings or the Transporter TV series. No, he's, he's got that hulking menace. I think he could be he could be quite an interesting choice. Um, one person that nobody's mentioning that I think would be great uh, is Robert Pattinson. Mm. Uh, he's a genuinely good actor who I think who can do anything. I think I mean a lot of people just see him as the guy from twilight but you mm. you see some of his other things that he's done in other roles look he's at the exactly, he's exactly the right age he's 35 yeah. you can get yeah. 15 years out of him and i think he would be excellent um and my my last choice who i think would be quite interesting would be john boyega ah because everyone talks about idris elba who clearly uh, he's, same... he, he's 49 now yeah, it's the same problem with Tom Hardy with, with extra anchovies, yeah. isn't it? He's too old already, really, yeah. for more than maybe one, maybe two films. Um, but John Boyega is effectively a I think younger version on the same remit yeah. in terms of, you know, if they're going down a different demographic. Yeah. Um, he's obviously got an established reputation for films in general, action as well. Obviously, yeah. Attack the Block, uh, the, the Star Wars stuff, yeah. various other things he's as well. He's a brilliant yeah, actor. Decent. Not, I mean, there's a lot choice. of money. The, the favourite at the moment is Richard Madden, who you probably know as the King of the North from Game of Thrones or the Bodyguard. Yeah. The Bodyguard. I yeah. I don't really rate him that much as an actor. He doesn't have. He just seems quite to do sort of surly Scott. He doesn't really seem to have the range of a Daniel mm. Craig. I I would be disappointed. Um, I'd not heard him mentioned before, but now you've mentioned him, I'm severely underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so, he'd be able to carry it off. Yeah. We, we shall see. I am sure we will find out. Maybe not in the immediate future, but at some point next year. I'm, I'm yeah, sure everything well, will be moving into our... James action. Bond will be back, and the end of the latest film does say James Bond will be back. Not saying 007 uh, more vaguely, but James Bond will be back. So there will be another yeah. male version as the next incarnation. Yeah. We can safely assume who that will be. Who knows? Stay tuned for that one. Yeah. So next up, Phil, what are we going to do? Are we going to do? We haven't done music yet. I'm yeah, let's do music. By decade. Should we do music of the 50s? What do you reckon? 50s? Yeah. Because you've got, well, with two or three films that we've discussed on previous could we, episodes. Could we start already. with the 70s? Because I know that better. And then I have. 70s? <laughs> Not even. No. Well, well. Okay, we'll do music of a decade. Yeah. We'll continue to discuss this off air. Yeah, no problem. If you are listening to this, you will be able to look at our episode notes. We probably will have which decade we've decided on yeah. by then. So have a look at that. If it doesn't show, then just stay tuned and find out anyway when we when we get together for the next one. So we we'll apologise for the length of this episode, but it's been brilliant. <laughs> I've I loved it. I completely unapologetic film. This is probably at least just twice as long as the last one that we did. And 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 more than probably any other episode will be. Yeah, yeah. But, they'll never normally be this long. Unless we no, do the films they? of Jackie Chan. Or Jason Statham. <laughs> or John Wick. Or Jet Lee. Or, or horror Lee. films. <laughs> or science fiction. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So anyway, that's it for this episode then, Phil. Um, we'll be right, back for those that saw of... it all the way through thank you very very much for persevering 
Yes, and if you saw it all the way through, I'm slightly worried because we're only doing it on audio. But, uh, <laughs> however, yeah, we'll be back with an audio-themed one that's going to be music of a certain decade. Yes. That will be our next episode. The episode after that will be films of 2021, where we can yes. start bringing a contemporary twist to matters. We can talk but, about uh, James Bond again. Yeah. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, thank you, Phil, for joining me. Thank I'm you. Russell, and I still am. Phil, it's been a pleasure as always. And all I can say to round off is, cut! <laughs>